You're listening to the Fire in a Hole podcast with Richard and Jason, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a cast. If you want to keep the show free and help us keep the lights on, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you have ideas for the show, we'd like to come on the show, uh, don't hesitate to drop us a line at Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. So, uh, 2016 is dead. That's right. Hooray. Finally. Hooray. It's over. The king is dead. Long live the king. No. That's right. Long live 2017. 2016 S. S. Yes. <laughs> S-E. <laughs> yeah. Fuck 2016, uh, and welcome to a brand new year for us to ruin. I don't know, man. I think it's very fashionable to say that 2016 was shitty, but I had a good 2016. I don't know about really? you. Personally, it was quite nice for me, but the... I mean, the world's going to hell, but... That's right. kind of what I meant. On a personal level, I'm alive. Yeah. yeah. My kids are alive. We're healthy. No illness, no all all the personal level thing. You know, I would say yes. I'm thankful. It's just it's easy to get caught up in the whole negativity of the 2016. It's like it's a popular meme, but True. overall, I'd say things are pretty. The Grim Reaper was okay. was a little bit trigger happy with people we like, though. It's true, right? Yes, it's true. They went a little bit on a bit of a fucking bender, right? Like, and every time a new death came up in the last leg of 2016, you, you the headline was always like. 2016, not done yet. Yeah. 2016, <laughs> no. No. Why? Not again. <laughs> not let it go in. Yeah. Yeah. So Lots of VH1's, VH1 documentaries coming up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so 2017, a brand new year. Uh, kind of a weird science fiction sounding year, 2017. Hmm. Um, it's uh, the possibility or the, the, the sort of uh, potential to try new things. It's it's a hopeful time. Hmm. I don't want to get grim about that. I'm like, uh, resolutions. Blah, 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 blah. No. That's the positive thing out of you know, <coughs> come out of a year that you might think is negative. Yeah, that, that it opens up this whole new avenue for possibility. Exactly, burn some sort of effigy. That's right. Uh, say goodbye and just like take a deep breath and uh, go on. sign up at Energy <laughs> Cabs. Just move on, guys. Just move on. No the one world. has time for this. The world's going to keep turning. Exactly. Right. And in that spirit, uh, we decided to try something new. We've literally invited someone we've never met in our lives and have no information about. Right. <laughs> uh, random stranger, as it were. Very cool guy, though. Very cool guy. It really worked out. Um, unlike 2016, it was wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm just laughs> exactly. But, he, uh, you could say he's the opposite of 2016. <clears throat> we could say that. Yeah. We definitely could. So Adam Ryder. Am I getting this right? Right. Adam Ryder, filmmaker, uh, stand-up comedian, uh, just uh, overall awesome dude, decided to join us. He reached out to us uh, and he said, hey, I got this project and I like your show, I'd like to hang out. He came on Had the show. a ton of common friends. Yeah, yeah, but just by virtue. He knows of, Big James, he knows Danny, he knows a bunch yeah. of other people. So it was, uh, I keep looking fortuitous. for the word fortuitous. Hmm. It was kismet. Is that what it is? Kismet? That's more of a romantic thing, but yeah, okay. Well, well we did, did he get pretty romantic on the show. Did he run his 
fingers to your hair? Or? Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> so Adam Ryder uh, joined us. Uh, he talks to us. We, we talked about a bunch of things, right? Yeah, we talked a bunch of, about a bunch. Uh, we talked about uh, collector cards, movies, Irish Nails, filmmaking, his stand-up, uh, and his project, Woodland Gray. Yeah, Woodland Gray. Um, uh, check out the links in, uh, in the post. It's a first feature film he's working on. Um, but uh, just Adam's like a really super fun guy, and I think what he's doing is really interesting. He, he's got this whole hashtag thing, right? Yeah, it's uh, no money, just likes. So he doesn't want people to, to give money. He just wants to, people to like the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Kind of a new experiment on social media. Yeah. Independent art. So uh, anyways, we get into all of that. This is a great episode. And uh, I hope everyone uh, had a good uh, New Year's kind of party situation. Good holidays. Got to reconnect with the family. And uh, let's make 2017 a... Great again. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> What's up guys, Adam Ryder here. This is Making Woodland Gray, day 138. A lot of you have been asking me, what's the story with this no money, just likes thing? And I wanted to take a, a few minutes and just tell you a little bit about what this crazy thing is all about. Okay, here's the story. You know how movies cost a lot of money? Uh, this is no exception for my film, Woodland Gray. So by Hollywood standards, it's like nothing. But for you and me, it's a substantial amount of money. Although we're not asking for millions of dollars, the budget is probably gonna be tens of thousands of dollars. Traditionally, movies seek funding from different organizations. There's film grants, there's uh, crowdsourcing, but there's also private investors. And that's who I'm trying to target. So these private investors or organizations put money into a film, the film gets made, and then they hope that there's an audience to watch this movie. And that, of course, is risky. 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 With social media, I've realized something. <laughs> I can build an audience now, so when it's time to reach out to private investors, in my pitch, I could say that there's a large amount of people who want to see this movie. Specifically, 10,000 of you. That's right, I can say there's 10,000 of you, at least, following along actively on Facebook, wanting to see this movie, wanting it to get made. It was Old the best school. game. That was like for somebody who's not good at like hand-eye coordination in terms of video games right. or anything. Mm. Those kinds of games, like you click on the guy, pick up, and then you know Apple, and then you like those kinds of Maniac right. Mansion was like that. The Boy Maniac Blob, Mansion? I think, yeah. was like that. They're like know? puzzle games. Yeah, uh, Space Quest, I think. Right, Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. yeah, which was like the 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 red ticket item. Like if you knew a guy that had Leisure Suit Larry, it was the biggest deal. Oh, and knew all the the answers to like the the copy protect. It wasn't it a copy protect? It, it was, was like, like an age of, pr- yeah, age yeah. protect. Because there was the window, and if you like get all the answers right, the window would roll up, and you would see like a naked woman. Right. And you're like, oh my god! Right. And you in, can, like see in her twelve pixels. But they'd ask yeah. you questions about like the Beatles and stuff. Really? Uh, in order to like to verify so your funny. age. They yeah. were so funny those games. <laughs> like the humor in them was was top notch. Like, I feel like maybe like yeah. my pop culture is based <laughs> off trying to crack leadership Larry's. I think so. Yeah. Age protection. <laughs> that was a big part. We we went through this whole era too. Like there was the um, 
um, the first downloads, right? The first illegal downloads when you, oh, yeah. where you'd have to leave it overnight, maybe two days. Right. And then you download would, an order, right? So you get like, yeah. oh, there's a second. And then you like replay it and you watch like five more seconds. Yeah. And you replay it and you get another 10 seconds. Another 10 seconds. Or you'd wake up the next morning and like find out that it was a bullshit file. This is pre-Torrent. This is pre-Napster. This is pre yeah. like, No. It was super disappointing. Uh, or when you'd get something going, like you managed to actually execute and run a game. Because we'd have to actually run, like we'd have to run games like through DOS or whatever. Yeah, you'd yeah. have to run commands, basically. Got it. And then it would like pop out of the windows and come back. I remember I taking... I so dedicated to that shit, man. Like I would just memorize everything. Like the like, run codes? Yeah, or just like trying trying to crack it, just to try to get into the game. Like, okay. remember, uh, was it Star Control? You ever yeah, yeah, play Star Control? Yeah, yeah. Star Control Two. There was this whole universe of similarly similar uh, planets, and they all had different names. And like the copy protect was that like it would flash you a planet, and you'd have to like put in like the name. <laughs> so you had to memorize like the galaxy. And, <laughs> you oh, know, it was usually the same ones yeah. that came up, but like you had to get real good at that. You, shit. you have to bring this up with uh, Eric next time. He's oh, yeah. He's a star control freak. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Huge. Like he remembers all the lines of the. Did, did the games talk? Was there any talking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was like a cutscene. Like, like that level. Well, of... the aliens would like talk and stuff. Like if you were like uh, doing the single player, but I was always doing the multiplayer thing. Okay. So just like me and a buddy with a controller kind of just battling it out it was pretty good it was super fun do you remember zork 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 was like no remind me the new adventures of zork and there was like eight different versions of this but it was just a text-based game so it's just a blank screen and then on the screen it's like you're in a room and you and you go look around room oh yeah you can't see anything And you're like damn it okay uh walk left you hit a wall walk right and it's just it was the most frustrating game (laughs) yeah but people loved it. I mean, they made game after game. I, don't, I could never get out of the room. That was like, you can't get out of the room. How <laughs> the do you? First room. <laughs> the first room. The first thing you're in, you're just, just it's like. That's so retro. It, it's probably $29.99 on Steam now just because it's so retro. And it's yeah. so, I think you can get it for free. Right? Like you can't yeah, emulate yeah. it. Or something. It's like a text message for game sure. or something. Yeah, man. Emulators. Uh, I was just reading this morning the, the that sort of poor man's version of Mario that they put on uh, the uh, Apple Store. Oh yeah, the, uh, Mario Run. Yeah, yeah, forty million. <laughs> 40, <laughs> forty million downloads. Are you really playing that? I swear. Forty million downloads. It looks. I mean, it looks awesome. It, it's all right, it but awesome. it's a. You're it's like. Weird. Yeah, because you you can't stop. You have to keep running. It's like that jetpack game. A little bit. Yeah. You, I yeah, yeah. It, but you know what I'm talking about. I, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. just controlling if you go up Pretty or much. down. Yeah. It's an elaborate, more elaborate oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Flappy Bird, really. Right. Uh, so you just kind of have to keep going, and. Uh, Judging by Sylvie's expression, uh, it's it's a deep game. <laughs> it's deserved as forty million. Well, there seems to be like a cautionary tale almost. Like they were expecting it to be a lot better than it was. The game? Well, I, I just keep seeing headlines come out saying that like Mario is not like a guaranteed success sort of thing, and like Nintendo needs to kind of learn their lesson from this. Or I, nah, well, I don't understand why this. they don't just release all like the first three games as an app. Like, it's mm. clearly, like, they have the ability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and they've you, done it for the DS, which, I, yeah, okay, still it's it's in-house, right? Like, they're, they're keeping it in-house. But yeah. if you, uh, I bought a DS for my kid, and you go to the store, and all the other games are, like, 15 bucks. And anything with fucking Mario, Luigi, or Yoshi, or any of those assholes on it, $44. Yeah, right? Like, they're signature characters. They, they hold on to them like they're bottles of Dom. Like, they, they, they're really super protective of them and, uh, like, obsessively 
to a certain point. I mean, I think if they if they release those games, like the, all the retro games, as an app and charge five bucks each. Of course, they'd make a mint. They'd yeah. make oh my god, it would be it would be crazy. I would go through them and like you know people would buy like oh they, they get one and they're like oh of course I just I just need to play this one again for like just for the nostalgia sake yeah, and I'll yeah, drop yeah. five bucks for it. And I think they don't. The Final Fantasy games have shown that like they do they do extremely extremely well um, uh, on the iOS and stuff like that. They sell them for twice or three times the price of your average game, and people just pay out the ass because it brings them back, you know, to yeah. the Final Fantasy days and stuff like that. So I don't understand, but I mean, app uh, Nintendo's does take weird decisions, right? Like they're kind yeah. of a weird company; they always have been. Uh, Wii U, for instance, is a good example of this. Like not really what a waste to... of money. <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> and sitting in a box. Yeah, the... but the the new Nintendo that's coming out, the little like the mini NES. That that's kind of a brilliant. Yeah, move. was it called the Switch or the Slat or the? <laughs> I don't know. The the fucking tablet <laughs> with the little controllers you can take off and you can. Oh, that's the new. That's the new oh, thing, yeah, yeah. right? Like that. The, I I don't know what it's. What, what were you talking new, about? I'm talking about like the. It's like an NES console, oh, but it's oh, yeah. kind of shrunk down, yeah, yeah. and they have like 50 games or something right. on it. Yeah. You, like there's no there's no little cartridges to like right it's all just on the on the Nintendo thing. finally caught on to something like little Chinese ripoff companies have been doing for years right which or is like Atari did like they remember Atari like three four years ago yeah they came out with these like little kind of like copies of yeah they the, were in the game that could you could buy just the Atari controller and the games were inside yeah, of it right and yeah, you could yeah. just like boop, 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 and go back to the old old days hey good times man yeah. good times buying uh Buying Atari games from, uh, 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 what is it, the Consumer Distribution? or what, what was that store called? Consumers Distributing. Distributing. Remember yeah. that store? It was like the thing in like the in like comic books. It was, was like, like a magazine that no, had like in the back with all the different pictures. No, no, no. This Am I is going uh, too far back? I think, no, I don't think you're going <laughs> this far is back like, enough. This is like pre-Costco. Uh, you would go into the store and there would be a counter with a catalog of all the products. And then you could be like, I want B7 and B12. Oh, it's almost... Yeah, that's yeah, what consumers distributing. Yeah, well, of course, your podcast. <laughs> I was like, Silly's really brazen today. What's going on? <laughs> no, no, please feel free to chime in. Um, yeah, it was a store with a magazine in it. <laughs> yeah, so you would go in. You couldn't actually see the products. Okay, you just had the catalog. You had to kind of fill out a sheet with all of the items you wanted, and then they would pass in the back, and there'd be a warehouse, and they would bring forward all of the items that you wanted. It was like a really kind of. It's trend. like how they buy beer in Ontario. Is that is that right? Yeah, the beer store. You go. You don't get to see the, the product. Okay. You go up to the counter and then you make your order. You it's like I'll take two of these, Cold two of those. They're just like the logos and yeah. stuff. And then they then they bring it out and they push the things out through like the not a conveyor belt. You know those like the things with all the like the spinny the roller things. Yeah, roller things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the the uh, uh, Saint Hubert chicken thing. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. It's I a thing that like as a kid you always like imagine two weeks like later. dry riding on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, man, the beer situation is weird, actually, uh, in New Brunswick. I don't know if you've ever been there. But yep. um, if uh, where I usually go, you can cross the bridge, and it's Quebec, right? And you cross the bridge, it's New Brunswick. Right. And over here, $50 for a 2-4. Over here, regular price, right? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, across the bridge. Right. So, of course, people are consistently just going to get beer. Over here, bar closes at 5. Over here, bar closes at 3, right? So, oh, yeah. people finish drinking over here. 
So it's cheaper in New Brunswick or it's cheaper? Beer is more expensive in New Brunswick. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. But it's funny. It's like the, whoever's owning the like Depener and bar on that side of the bridge is like, nobody likes me. Like he <laughs> must have no friends. Yeah. He's like, everybody's just always going to the other side of the bridge. Pretty much. And then you have the natives too because there's a native reserve right there. And they're not like the, the, the natives that they show on TV with like the horrible conditions. They're well-to-do natives, like right. five-door garage. A, uh, a pickup truck, like three pickup trucks with Sidus on each each one, right? Like really well off dudes, and uh, they had their own game going. Like you can get your cigarettes, you can get your your beer, you can get mm. your you know native artifacts or whatever, <laughs> 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 quote unquote. So, uh, but yeah, I remember going to consumer distributing and like this is back in the era where where you ordered games based on like the cover art because you knew the game was shit. <laughs> you knew it was going to be like... That's boop, so boop, interesting. Boop, 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 boop. I was thinking even further back, like the, at the back of like an Archie comic or Richie Rich or oh, something yeah. or like Marvel comics, they would have these pages. Uh, well, it was like, you know, I think it was like one or two pages that had one of two things. It was either um, a bunch of like little squares with different ads of like cool things you can get sea or monkeys. like some sort of like you sell stuff and then you can win these things oh, as well. Oh, right, 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 right. And there was always like the like the, the seahorse, uh, not sea monkeys, the sea monkeys <laughs> ad was in there. And there was like the guy for F- the spy pen? specs. Yeah, spy yeah. Pen. And, and it like, was super creepy, right? Like the one drawing was exactly of a dude like creeping like two girls on a beach or two girls on the right. street yeah. or something looking through their clothes and whatever yeah and it was it was not only was it not ashamed of this it was sort of like this was the selling point like haha this is now you can assault people yeah, yeah. right up till the 80s it was this a was different a, time right up until the 80s it was like a cool thing to like get into God, the girls uh, locker t- <laughs> locker rooms. Uh, but mirrors on the shoes was was always one step too far. Oh god, that was never. Oh god, that was never okay. Or scorpion uh, albums the, for the <laughs> uh, cover art. I was just looking at that today. They're they're uh, the worst album covers of all time in terms of like the most creepy of all time. They made the list twice. Oh really? Yeah. Scorpions. Yeah, one album in particular which has scarred my soul. And like I love I love that band, but like I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> the album is called Virgin Killer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just got real, right? That and might be the name of this episode. If you thought the album name was wrong, <laughs> I uh, invite you to either desperately look for a way to avoid, or if you're brave enough to check out what that cover looks like, and then you know try to keep a straight face <laughs> when the next Scorpion song comes on in some dive bar. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting. It always fascinates me when there's these bands who put out something um, that's kind of. Um, controversial and people freak out about it and they're like how could this is it, it should be taken out of stores but like if they only saw and or read the inside of like a cannibal corpse album oh they made mm. the list too you know i mean i think it's just like they people don't like it's all relative based on like how popular they are and I sure think but people, if you're a uh, cannibal corpse you're kind of you're kind of putting it out there that you're gonna you're out to upset and to challenge certain social when you're the scorpions Right, it's your dad listens to Scorpions, right? He like <laughs> yeah. puts it on the car. They're kind of those like era of like the leather hat with the scarf, rock kind of. They're German. They're weird Euro trashy kind of dudes. Uh, yeah, behold! Wow, yeah, <laughs> that's the cover. Yeah, good lord, is yes. that a, is that a real? No, that's a painting. I don't think so. Should we, even just, if should we it describe is, to people what we're looking at? It's, yes, I think if that, it's, if we're, you're brave look, enough. I haven't seen it. I mean, we're looking at uh, a definitely uh, uh, almost completely, or I'm going to say completely naked, prepubescent girl. Yes. Um, and they, there's like a crack in the cover, and the, like a, as if it's made out of glass. 
and the crack is strategically placed over this uh, girl's nether regions. Right. But still, um, but she's like being all seductive, it's, or at least it's. Te- I don't. All I don't the know all, how to... all the alerts go off. Like there's just no way to look at this thing. Yeah. Like and... I feel like we're. It's like. Oh. It's weird that we're talking Jesus. about it now. Like, I know, right? I get it out of right? in context. Like it's just I have, like the... just seeing it like immediately poisons the well. Like you immediately, no matter we could we were talking about friendly like uh, like eight uh, uh, bit video games just a second ago, and we're like super <laughs> upset. Amber alert! This is Amber alert. This is like the fact that this is out there is so upsetting to me. And now I realize like how ridiculous it is when I see a band get some stress over like lyrics or did they do they change that they must have changed that cover i don't know or the do they just stop selling the album altogether i think the, no i think it's out there they must have changed the cover for sure virgin killer i wonder if it's on spotify very likely like if you like if i i'm gonna i'm gonna check this out right now there's a list of albums that that have had like uh to change their covers because of just bad timing mm-hmm. uh you know like uh, i think there was uh dream theater who had uh, just released an album with the Twin Towers in it oh, on yeah. fire? I think. Yeah, but it was oh. like just I, and just not the just be, just like it was a few days before something like that. something like that, right? Like yeah. Then like Slayer released "God Hates Us All" on September 11th. <laughs> um, I mean, you but, can't. Yeah, but that's Slayer, right? I mean, the, like those two instances, and I think there's a couple more that are like in that vein. Are all like, those are all accidents in Correct. terms of like the timing, right? Yeah, the, yeah. It, the political incorrectness. It, like is at a certain point but then it's like launched even higher higher just due to circumstance whereas this this is like this is like somebody made the conscious decision yeah that they are going to um paint the i mean it's not a, it's not a real picture like, but it's it's even it's, if it's, it's not almost photo accurate right that means there was a model um, right like you don't want to even take the thought very far you don't want to start thinking about how they why they chose this painting what you know, like even if they came out with some sort of elaborate explanation about how uh, they're disgusted with the way that the innocence of young women is being taken away in the media and in in advertisement, and they're uh, like, this is just the absolute worst way to go about it. Every at worst, this is a strange, comfortable admission of a fascination with something that's really, really off. Yeah. At best. It's the fail of the fucking century when it came to like mm. making a decision. It's crazy. You know? So I'm looking at uh, on um, Spotify right now. They have the Virgin Killer album, but it's a different. It's just it's just a bunch of like dudes. Yeah. Just the band like it had out. to be. There's no way no um, no company would reissue that fucking cover ever. And uh, it's amongst many of the worst albums, but most of the other worst albums are just kind of bizarre. I bet that album though is worth. A shit ton. Probably. I bet that there's like, like, not like just because now it's so rare. Yeah. That people like collectors. Yeah. Who collect rare albums and not. To be fair, to be clear, not not, not the, those collectors. Yeah, not rather, those kind of collectors, <laughs> but yeah. like rare album collectors. I bet, like, if you, I mean, we're not gonna sp- spend all the time looking up things yeah. <laughs> that are relevant, but I bet you know you can look on eBay and find it, and it would be like in the well into it's the some sort of rare, yeah. Yeah, I mean anything that's like somebody who collects like cursed objects. Yeah, sort of or like, um, during something out of like Friday the Thirteenth series, sort of deal. early oh, in the two yeah. thousands. There was serial uh, killer uh, trading cards, were, which oh, were a big deal. Oh yeah, that's true. I completely trade them all. Yeah, because I love get, trading cards. Get them all. Trading cards are still as cool. Do kids still get trading? Cards? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, but it's all like Pokemon. Um, it's all like that stuff now. They're just they're. It's meant- all like based around a game, not about the collection. 
it's sort of based on individual cards and how important they are to them. And um, it's crazy. It's like this whole underground, like drug thing with kids, except that the payoff is having the cards, right? There's no actual narcotic value to it. Right. Well, we were like that, like with Marvel cards. I remember Marvel cards came out. Sure. And they were, I mean, the first three, and then there was like Marvel Masterpieces. Remember that came out? It was a big deal. But you didn't go punch first graders in the eye and take their cards, right? Like that wasn't really a thing. Well, I mean... Or maybe you did. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Here's your chance to apologize. Maybe I was punched in the eye. (laughs) But uh, no, like (laughs) the Pokemon cards are... Are, are it's really insane and i luckily even my son like he my older son he like dipped into it and then he's like this shit is crazy and he's sort of like still into it but he's definitely on trying to connect or collect anything he's mm-hmm. just like it's out of it's just people are way too intense so he's taken after me and he basically commits to nothing I, i'm That's uh, perfect wow. you've taught him well i'm proud of him <laughs> this, this is true when when batman came out in 1980 something with michael keaton the original batman yeah um, they released a bunch of trading cards, and uh, they were it was just still pictures from the movie. Right. But the way they released the the cards, like they were numbered, and they were all numbered chronologically in terms of like how the movie was played out. And um, as a kid, I loved that movie. That was like one of my favorite movies. Of course. And uh, I remember that I I was like obsessed with this movie. And I found we had this tape recorder as a kid. You could record your voice onto it, and so I had recorded the entire Batman movie with me playing the character of every single person and doing all the sound effects and the and the score and everything Holy with shit. my voice um, and using those cards as the as like the script because I knew okay in this scene that they say this and then I would like flip to the next card and and I wish I could find that tape but Seriously? somewhere in my parents' basement is a tape where I it's probably <laughs> like I, I don't know if I did it for the entire length of the movie but there's probably a good like 30 minutes of me going through the entire and i remember like doing like the danny elfman score like trying to start off as quietly as possible and like bring up the crescendo <laughs> yeah yeah and all the whole thing i mean you know, like, i still, knew that whole that's still my favorite score of all time it's so great of all time like the of whole suite time, the wow. eight the eight minutes uh like full suite of that of that yeah. song is still my favorite score of all time it the only thing that rivals it and it's so different is Basil Polidurus's Conan uh, Conan soundtrack, which okay. I think no one has ever written and will ever write that kind of music ever again. It's they, they're just they, no one knows right. how to do that music. Um, and but that that to me was like a pinnacle of. I, I think it probably started the idea that films like Batman um, needed like a catchy score, like that, having these themes to it. And stuff. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean. I, I just associate like that feeling of like hearing the score and see, being like I saw it in the theater mm-hmm. as a kid, and like you know the camera goes through what looks like hallways and later you find out it's the Batman logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But as a kid, being like, "Where am I? Yeah, yeah. What is this it was place? Dark as it's shit. so cool!" And you're like, "It's just flying through these hallways and yeah. like you don't know what it is." And then you know, as you know, I'm sure as an adult, if you saw that, you'd be like, yeah, "It's the bat signal." <laughs> but as a kid, you're like, <gasps> "It's the bat signal." No, yeah, sorry, I'm clicking out the. No, no, okay. it's fine. <laughs> no, and it's, it's super. So it's super cute to see it. Uh, the Lego ver- version of it, where they do the exact same thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, they. But it's like. Is it the new Lego movie? Uh, not the one that's come that, that's about to come out or has come out. Um, okay. but uh, the um, uh, one of the shorts, Lego shorts that you can find on like like Flex or whatever. Okay. Uh, they do that exact same thing. You've got the like tunnels, but it's really bright yellow and black. So like you obviously know that it's the same. 
and it's the same music like they use the exact same music in the lego video games they use the danny elfman score as well because it's so iconic it's so there you know that's so great it's probably the biggest i would say like the the trinity is obviously star wars uh, Star Trek, but that's a TV show. I don't count that in the big movie score uh, category. But so you got Star Wars. You obviously have the uh, Donner Superman, um, and then you have like the Batman, the '90s Batman, early or late '80s Batman, Danny Elfman theme that I feel like, uh, and you 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 catch like uh, fragments of it when you listen mm. when you listen to the Simpsons. Like when you hear the Simpsons theme, you right. can you know this is the same. You can tell it's the same yeah. guy writing this music. Well, after a while, you start to be like, oh yeah, that's definitely written by this person, that yeah. person, and people who don't listen to scores or aren't as like fanboyish about movies. When you're like, oh, that sounds like so and so, and they're and they're like, how do you don't know? And then of course their name comes up on the screen. They're like. Oh, Wow, that's you're really nerdy. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we went through just a few years ago through the Hans Zimmer like terror, reign of terror, where every score had to be like, like every fucking score had to do this, or had to. Now they're doing the whole uh, in the trailer. Everyone that that fade to black thing, that the blinking. Yeah. The mm. close, and then. And then, like, everything's fine. And so, like, exactly. The power down sound. I think, you know what's funny? Uh, I love, like, <laughs> the fact that guys, this is something that guys are really good at, doing sound effects. Uh-huh. It's been, like, growing up, we're, like, making all the sounds of things. There's, a, there's like, a YouTube channel uh, or series where it's something, like, girls make, do make sound effects. <laughs> and, it, and it's like they get they get girls to do uh, like they show like an like a GI Joe clip or something, and then they get them to do the sound effects. Whereas like you know you or I would be like this is a like really really like as accurate as possible sound right. effects, but they're like pew 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 kablooey shkaboo. That's awesome. It's so good. They're like but yeah, it's so like when you do the power down, like yeah. you could do the power down sound, or you could like practice the power down sound, and you know like anybody. Guys who are really into it's true. I, we're, and, and, we're and not saying that girls don't do this, but guys especially do this. Just but we're just really more like obsessed to, about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like we just we need to be able to do the power down sound or the THX sound. <laughs> yeah, or like you know Im- imitate oh. certain things. And <laughs> I made fun of the Hans Zimmer thing so much during the it's 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 like uh, where it was everywhere and everything. Like the Chris Nolan Hans Zimmer terror reign of terror that we 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 went through in the early two thousands. Uh, I'm so glad it's over, but yeah, there's still some of that drum uh, dubstep kind of influence. I think so, uh, Man of Steel, I think, went full retard with the dubstep uh, <laughs> score thing, to the point where they even made fun of it in like one of the honest trailers, I think, which are one yeah. of the best things online. Or they're like General Zod, you know, who's going to destroy the Earth with the power of dubstep <laughs> and like because <laughs> it's like that planet That's killing awesome. thing like it's just doing that thing i was fucking dying i think this for, i think that noise came first from uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say that it might have been war of the worlds very the, po- the steven very spielberg possible. version yeah. Yeah, yeah, tom cruise so that's when you really hear the, yeah. but they i think they incorporated it as like the like i think they made that sound actually like a, like a practical sound, yeah. Like as if it was coming from the the machines. But mm-hmm. I think that God, that movie was so good. Yeah, they were watch that again. What was it? Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the horrible prequels where um, I think it might have been the second one where Django Fett is chasing Obi Wan through the asteroids and he launches that like mine that goes like explodes. There's no sound and it goes like and like shatters all the <laughs> like it like the sound came from the back of your kind of. 
your anus. <laughs> it's like somebody put it in there as like a placeholder and forgot to change it. Yeah, exactly. And now it's like, we have it. Great job. Uh, yes. Yes, of course. I, I meant to do that the whole time. Uh, I wonder if anybody will notice. I'm just picturing these studios like they, they just keep bringing in Skrillex. They sneak him into their right. studio. They like give him 10 minutes and then just like let him out. It shows him how to cue all of those fucking Skrillex things. isn't available. Get Nine Inch Nails in here. Let's do this. Yeah. Is Trent available? No. Okay. He's doing some kind of weird thing. Speaking of which, he just released a track today, a Nine Inch Nail song. Yeah, and with uh, the dude from that he's been doing writing all this stuff with. Who, who he, I think he might be sleeping with because he doesn't go anywhere without. <laughs> he has a gorgeous wife. He has kids, Grammys, but he cannot let go of this Atticus Ross dude. Like he just falls him everywhere. It's really weird. I can't, you know, anytime I hear Atticus Ro- Ross, what's his name? Atticus mm-hmm. Ross? I think Atticus Finch. I think of the Atticus brand with the dead bird. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. No, I think of the, the character from that from Californication. Oh. Right. But anyway, the end. The end. <laughs> the end. I just, it's like a picture of Trent Reznor walking around with this, like, uh, I forget what that guy's real name is. T- Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin? Is that yeah. his real name? Yeah. I just had a crazy just deja vu. Does that happen to you? Mm-hmm. I, I guess it, it would be a deja entendu. <laughs> deja entendu. <laughs> that's, the, that's the title right there. So, sorry, you were saying a No, it's not a good story. It wasn't even a story. I okay. was just thinking about Tim Minchin, so I just picture like Trent Reznor and Tim Minchin hanging out. Adam, I, I'm really impressed with the uh, amount of sort of camaraderie and back and forth. It sounds like we're old friends. We don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know you. We've literally just met. We're and it's awesome. About to have sex. <laughs> I mean, it's a different. We'll be right way. back. <laughs> it's a different. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the squishing noises. Ball. Ball. After <laughs> these messages. Ball. <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, <laughs> but I think it's awesome. Like it's just a tri- it's like a tribute to how fucking chill this environment yeah, is. Yeah, it's just, cool. Just fucking jump right in and it like works. It. You're a filmmaker. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, did it start with your uh, painstaking re- uh, rebuilding of the uh, of the score and film uh, Batman, <laughs> the, the Michael Keaton Batman? I I might have started a little bit before then. I think okay. it might have started. I don't know what it came from. You know, I think my the first movie I was ever really obsessed with was The Wizard of Oz. Uh huh. And uh, and the local library had The Wizard of Oz screenplay as a book that you could rent, borrow. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, I don't know why you can rent a video but borrow a book anyway so you so I, I I borrowed this book and watched the movie while reading the script at the same time and it blew my mind okay I don't know I couldn't explain why I just it was so cool and then was see, it very was it a, a, the script revised for the release or was it a script original script probably I don't, not. I don't know I, I I don't to be honest I don't remember I just I was just fascinated that I could see everything that was happening on the screen was happening on the page mm. and I could follow along it just seemed so crazy like that yeah. I was like I, I you know I couldn't articulate it at the time but the fact that like this is but this is planned out this is a thing that's like it kind of blew my mind um, but I, I remember you know being a kid and like kind of being obsessed with like cinema in a sense that like we in our my parents basement where we had our tv uh there was a, the, the light switch in the basement was on a dimmer and so when i was gonna watch a movie um i remember <laughs> putting the movie like taking the, the it's so weird man i thought about this a long time i take like the vhs tape or beta depending on what time it was and like making sound effects of it going into like into the VCR yeah. and then like slowly dimming the lights just like they do in a theater and then closing my eyes 
and then putting my hands in front. I'm doing it like <laughs> as if you would see like me. the curtain like, thing. Yeah, and then closing my eyes and cl- putting my hands in front of my eyes, and then opening my eyes so I can't see anything, and then slowly moving my hands away wow. from my eyes to reveal the TV screen, just so I could be like, "This is what it's like. I'm in the theater." You know, that's a really interesting. It's like. Already as a kid, you had this kind of uh, like ring ringmaster kind of like you need you you were aware of the experience rather than just the effect that it had on you. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't really realize like I didn't realize what was going on. I just knew that films totally drew me in and I was just lost in them but I'd never like was the aware whole, like, of the experience artifice. of it and it's kind of it's sad that people don't realize but like slowly but surely theaters don't pull the curtains back anymore it's right. just they're just showing ads it's all an old timey so, thing yeah I kind of I really miss the the pulling away of curtains it's kind of adds a little bit of like class yeah. mystery and, and excitement to the whole thing when well, the old um, films like in theater. fact the theater effect. the theater yeah the, yeah. the pause but yeah, yeah. I think even if you, you you could probably find copies of Wizard of Oz where the there's still an intermission in the movie oh yeah because they did that with like the old movie like cleopatra and ten commandments well they like, saw i saw the touring show of the the last tarantino movie uh i forget what it was called the dangerous something or hateful other. eight hateful eight yeah. um you were wrong i was <laughs> so wrong <laughs> terrible da- with names dangerous uh the fiction? you know the <laughs> yeah, yeah kill pulp kill pulp um <laughs> And of course, uh, who could forget Reservoir Django? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so, um, uh, yeah. So they had an intermission in the, when they did the traveling one, mm-hmm. um, and that was cool. It was retro. It was well. It was interesting because I mean, I, I, I can't say I ever saw an intermission in the theater, but I did remember seeing it. Like usually at home, you'd see an intermission, and it kind of signaled the time to change tapes. You know? Like, oh yeah. You know, you see intermission, and then in Ben Hur or Cleopatra, you have to change or, uh, tapes. You're talking uh, about this a time so in a, nonchalantly in America. You know, it comes in two tapes, and they do the intermission, and then you yeah. change it over. Um, yeah. So it was cool to. It was kind of cool to see, but I remember th- like being there and then watching the screen. And thinking, should I be like, this is cool, but I'm literally just staring at the words intermission right now. And there's like, a, there's a score. There's that a goes score over going, it, yeah. But I was like, I, it's, it's, it's fascinating because it's like, back in the day, I, I feel like it would have been an actual intermission. People would have gotten up. And maybe go and gone to pee. Gone to the lobby, get something to eat, come back, and then the movie would start. So it's weird that people were just kind of like, what do we do? Yeah. Mm. You know. I, I have this theory that if you took a house, and this is probably a reality show someone's working on right now. And you outfitted it with just like uh, technology between like the seventies and let's say late eighties, and you put like people like millennials in it, they would they would go insane. <laughs> they would literally like they turn on each other like in some slasher film. They just kill each other, like having to switch sides, wind things, rewind things, hmm. having to plug in more than have the controller like is attached to the main thing. It's amazing. Um, you have to, adapt the antennas, you have to adjust the antennas. For <laughs> this might seem crazy, but like, I actually really appreciate uh, having to turn over a record uh, in uh, only because I have the option not to. Right. So like right now, like I used to have a huge CD collection, hundreds and hundreds of CDs, uh, but I stopped listening to them once like MP3s were around. It was just so easy to kind of listen to those things instead of find, you know, putting into your CD player and stuff. And what I noticed is that I, I skip through songs constantly. You know, I'll, I'll listen to yeah, like makes maybe I'll ADD. listen to the whole thing, but then I'll I'll skip like I don't want to listen to this album. I'll just skip through the whole thing. But like putting a record on, and I don't care about that. The sound is like to me, it sounds the same. Like it's like it sounds good, but it sounds the same. 
But when I put a record on, I, I listened. I, I, I'm forced to listen to all five songs on that side, flip it over, and listen to the other side. And it's like an interaction that's mm-hmm. missing when you listen to things just like on Spotify. Or yeah, it's on horrible. On you, how, how ADD you become on, on digital formats. Yeah. Like your access is unlimited, and that's cool, but you are just like stockpiling albums. And it's like you having to have one type of candy as a kid with your little allowance, right? And suddenly someone gives you a, a fucking hundred bucks and takes you to, and you just go crazy, right? And like, it's fun the first few times, but after a while, you're just like in the corner drooling into the pavement and you don't know where you are. You don't remember what you ate and if you <laughs> liked it or uh, yeah. not. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, sometimes you see like multimillionaire billionaires kind of slumming it at a hot dog joint because yeah. like, they want to so feel tired. Like, oh God, I hate eating the best food in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, kind of, I, I want to need everything. Yeah, I want to like feel what it's like to want to stuff. To do stuff. <laughs> oh man. There <laughs> to, was a short story by uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Do you know Chuck yeah. Palahniuk? Yes. And he, uh, it's part of a, a compendium of like short stories with a really cool wraparound from a book called Haunted. And one of the stories, I believe, is like about these rich people who dress up as homeless people uh-huh. and like just take to the streets and just like get super high or drink and try to like maybe have sex in public and just slum it as hard as they can go just because they, it's something different than what they, it's the one thing that they don't have is nothing. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's so right. interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a we're good good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. They're completely uh, desensitized to everything, and I feel like to a certain degree that's happened to even your average person now, right? Where it explains the fascination what we often fall under the hipster sort of uh, um, category of like yeah uh, we like to go eat at this place where uh, they cook the food <laughs> in a skillet and they turn it over. And uh, they cut it with their hands, and it came from a garden. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's on. You have to get on the list a month before. You're like, hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, this has become a um, curiosity. These simple things are becoming a curiosity because we we've sort of automated everything and yeah made everything so sterile and I think boring. those hipsters get a bad rap because for those reasons because it's just I think people want a simpler time kind of go back to an idea where you know not everything is handed to them not everything is readily available you know having like all of human knowledge in the palm of your hand is is it's can be, like it's overwhelming in a way that we can't really articulate true you know it's like the the satisfaction of doing some research or not knowing um yeah i feel man. like i feel man, like louis ck and, and, mm. and pete holmes talk a lot about this stuff but like just the idea of not knowing is something that we don't <laughs> know very much like we it's right. just very and if we don't and we you know the you say, well, a lot of people don't know stuff. Like, yeah, but they don't know. They don't know. You know what I mean? They're just, those are like, that's just ignorant. <laughs> oh, they, they, they'll go look it up. <laughs> they yeah, go, but yeah, then you, you can, can just like, if you, if you don't know what it is, you just, you can look it up and it's right there. It's ready You can not you. only look it up, you can look up the exact kind of opinion you want. Right. right? Yeah. That, that, it's even but a lot of the fights end up being over trivia. So you make bets with people like, no, right. no, it's this, no, it's that. And then you can just like, oh, yeah, okay. Google just told us. The yeah. level of arrogance has just kind of it's shot up, right? At a party between like. No, no, no. I think you'll find that, you know, Virgin Killer was number one worst <laughs> album cover. Right? Like, people just start to become these sort of uh, pocket scholars. So for the beginning writer, what's the most lacking in, in a for beginning for writers? construction? Yeah. Well, uh, scene is one of, one of the many things. In other words, craft. I mean, if you're a beginning writer, 
you got to learn the craft. And not only you got to learn it, you got to practice it. So you will not, I mean, unless you're a genius who does this instinctively, which is a possibility, uh, you will not accomplish this in your first script. I mean, uh, if you read The 101 Habits, most screenwriters who sold their script was usually was their 10th or 14th script. They usually have been working on it for many, many years. So it takes practice, you know, just like any other uh, craft takes practice. And so uh, learn the craft and practice the craft. Um, the other thing too you should, you should know is that there's a lot of information out there about storytelling, about screenwriting, a lot of how-to books. And you got to understand, uh, you know, I always recommend read them all. You know, I mean, I'm a lifelong learner. I read everything. I always try to learn, you know, always, always, always. Um, and when you see the same thing being told, then you, you got it. That's what I call the basics. Once you learn the basics, then you got to go beyond that. Is your mother's vagina Jewish? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Got you on a technicality. Step aside. We might need you later. <laughs> so great. And we're back. And, and we're back. back. So you were saying. That was by David Cross. God, I wish people could do. You know, there's cover bands. Yep. It would be funny if people could do covers of famous comedian bits and be like, I th- there was I did see on YouTube there was like a, a YouTube channel not a channel it was like a special event where people would memorize eight bit eight like minute bits from famous comedians and then do them. It was really awkward to hear. It is weird like to hear because do Doug Stanhope's no stuff without Doug Stanhope. No, like it was really strange. You can't yeah. do it. It's especially like guys like Stanhope and Bird. Things are so branded. They're yeah. so one with the person who's delivering the material that. You could do it maybe in the Lenny Bruce days where they were kind of all doing the same jokes. Like, take my wife, please. And no, but I stuff. feel like somebody could do it as a bit in itself, like a very meta bit. Uh-huh. You're like, I'm not going to perform anything of my own tonight, but I do really like Chris Rock. So <laughs> I'm gonna, here's going to, I'm going to pay homage, homage to him. Yeah. I'm going to do some Chris Rock. Well, this is uh, like uh, that uh, Michael Scott in the office when he's he's trying to, oh, he yeah. keeps trying to it's bring so up painful. other people's bits and it's super offensive and awkward and wonderful well i think i but it, but it still works as comedy yeah. right and that's why it's why, why i think it would be you'd have to approach it from that like it, you have to approach it from the right angle because if people the thing is within the context of the office the people who know michael scott know him as a racist <laughs> or right. as somebody who's like incredibly inappropriate the worst awkward um, person ever but as like yeah. the audience you get the joke and so, like, if you were to do that in real life, a stand-up comic, a white stand-up comic doing overtly black humor, would ha- like you'd have to fire. come. At, you'd yeah. have to come at it at a way that that lets the audience know that you know that like this, like the joke is that, and not the things that you're trying to say. You know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, in the hands of a master, it can work. And I think yeah. Burr is maybe one of the guys I've seen who can do racial stuff but he gets away with it he just has a charm and a way to do it that oh yeah uh, he gets away with everything i mean even louis ck doesn't get away with the stuff that bill burr can get away with no. i think uh, and now, louis ck gets away with a lot now being being that he's married to a black woman too i think has kind of like cemented <laughs> his, his street cred his street cred but i remember in the early days like he was still kind of fresh on the scene and he would do not only black crowds but like in some of those theaters where like white comics would be afraid to set foot in and he just like fearless. He just hit the stage and tear up, fucking crush it. Just crush it, crush it. So when did your stand-up like dalliance start, or when when did that start with you? Uh, 
like what, ten years ago. Okay, and then uh, again uh, September or something. Like you just one day were like, I'm going to try this, or was someone? Well, years ago it was like that. Years ago it was like people tell me I'm funny. I'm going to try to write something and try to do it, and then they did it, and and it worked really well, and so I kept doing it. Then I got busy with other stuff. Um, and then this year, uh, I had a, a bunch of stuff that I really wanted to do, uh, and getting back into stand-up comedy was one of them. And I haven't really done a much done that much. I think I've done like four or five different like open mics and stuff, which isn't. But you know, then I'm working on this movie is kind of interfered with with that, which is fine. Like it takes presence. But in the new year, I definitely want to be doing more stand-up. Uh, I really like it. That's really fun. Kind of like what you were saying about. Um, having that like immediate reaction is something that like I don't really get very often. But I do, yeah. I'd, I like to be I like to be on a stage. I definitely am more comfortable being in front of a large group of people than a small group of people. Put me in front of a thousand people, and I'm I'm right at home. Put me at a table with two guys. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a bit. It's two a guys you don't know. Yeah, it's a little You're doing great though. Oh, I thanks. Just to say. Okay. So do you like great. you like doing? Uh, do you have a? Can I have that twenty back? Okay, sorry, <laughs> do you have a style of humor? that you do or you um, just do whatever you think is funny I don't I don't I mean I guess I don't know what my style is I, I, the thing is I don't think I'm good enough to have a style that I can call my own so I just like to I like I like to if I can I like to talk about one thing or as or yeah if, if it's possible sometimes I talk about a couple things but like I really like to have bits that are around one thing not like just mining it, mining a certain concept or yeah or like telling a story for five minutes I think mm-hmm. is really fun I really tell like us a joke funny man do be funny <laughs> you know it's, it's what's interesting is that because like I, I tend to have a memory that picks up on like other comedians bits that sometimes right. like like what I just do the wackity schmackity do thing yeah. is a Patton Oswald thing uh, and like so as soon as I said that, I, like I whispered into the mic, Patton Oswalt, because like I, I like, <laughs> it, like it. it fits because yeah. I'm a quote, but it's like I'm quoting some, like a comedian the same way that people quote The Simpsons. But right. if you don't know, it looks like I'm ripping off somebody. It happens like, a lot, you know. So you I know, just, like, uh, yeah, Patton Oswalt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of our culture comes from that stuff, right? Like it comes from like all the like whatever kind of uh, uh, media that you consume. Right, so it's hard to distinguish between. Yeah, like what am I, am I like, quoting something, or is that an original thing? And like yeah. sometimes you just like the temptation is there if you're with somebody and you make a joke that somebody else that you're re- referencing and they laugh at it. Right. The, the temptation is just to ride with it, but my it's really I would say eighty percent of the time I go yeah that was a bad Oswald thing. Twenty <laughs> percent of the time, I'll just like if it's not in public and it's just like with some girl There's in no front harm. of the press, I'll yeah. just like, yeah, well, she'll never That's, listen. To I David just came Cross. up with that on the spot. Yeah, I'm I a am a genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, Dice Andrew Dice Clay, which was kind of my introduction to to comedy uh, wow. when I was a kid because I wasn't supposed Brutal. to be watching it. <laughs> Because it was way too filthy. I thought he was age. like, as a kid, because your your parents would read you nursery rhymes, hickory dickory <laughs> dack. Exactly. But uh, there's a lot of things. There's one bit that he says. It's not even a bit. It's a comment he makes, and uh, I found it to be kind of true of life. And I keep I repeat it sometimes, and I kept insisting to tell people where it was from, but no one cares because the, in itself, the the the, the just the, the words are so interesting. It comes up with people that we meet in life who are, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm a very social person, very sociable person. Uh, I get along with people easily. I'm attentive. I'm receptive. I listen to what people say. I pick up on nuances. 
uh, to a certain degree. I ingratiate myself very easily because I learned how to make friends as a kid. And um, we, I tend to be drawn sometimes to people who are awkward as fuck. Uh, socially, uh, people who hey, tend that's to why be... we're best friends. <laughs> no, no, no. This is working. No, no. I'm not talking about someone who just like falls apart. I'm talking somebody who's like who come... <laughs> someone who people consider like rude or inappropriate often, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who just doesn't have a filter or is doesn't know, constantly puts their foot in their mouth or is really aggressive out of the gate. Like they kind of intrigue me, and I keep being attracted to to those types of people because I find them refreshing. I find it refreshing to sit to some, next to someone who, like, will eat from your plate if you're ordered like food together, and then if you pick off their plate, they're like, oh, "Could you not eat the cucumbers? Because I like the cucumbers." Like that super weird, awkward thing that can happen <laughs> okay, over yeah. me. Like I, I'm, and I always come up with that line from Clay, which was, um, uh, he said in another context, which was, you know, some people play hard to get, you play hard to want. Oh, oh, okay. yeah, of course, there's an <laughs> O at the end. Oh, but every time I've said that to a person that has this kind of uh, weird antisocial character uh, sort of behavior, they fucking love it. You play hard to get, but I what's it again? Some people play hard to get, other plays hard to want, other people play hard to want. Now, he did this just as a joke of like, you're a dick, basically. It's an elaborate way of saying right. someone you're a dick, but when you really mind that idea. What, what it is is a brilliant analogy of those types of people because what they are is they're not assholes. It's just they don't really know or care to soften things that they think and say for the benefit of others unless they're true friends. Right. Like they kind of see it that way. So they're st- And they have insecurities like all we all do, and they kind of cover up for them by kind of being blunt, and they adopt and accept the role of, oh, I guess I'm that guy that just says stuff where the record gets pulled and everyone feels awkward, and they live with it. And yeah. anyone that can sort of sit there, listen to them say something awkward, and just go, well, whatever, I don't care. I'm still going to hang out with you. They're like, all right, cool. Oh, crazy Jimmy. Oh, yeah. he's doing that thing that and, he does, and that makes him different. But every time I say it, because I'm very blunt, I've, I've said to people like, oh, you're one of these people like that likes to play hard to want and then they kind of look those types of people kind of look at me and be like nice yeah okay sure <laughs> like you they know, see it as a compliment yeah. like it's a test you know all these things that people do with each other in order to try to be liked you don't do that <laughs> you kind of purposefully go the other way <laughs> you just yeah you just tapped out with of that vengeance. whole game when and i, I think of like that. comedians Isn't that kind of fun <laughs> a little bit yeah when, when i think of comedians that are like deep and have something to say. Um, what's his name? Uh, Clay? Yeah. Andrew Dice Clay is not on that list. Definitely not. Well, actually, it's, it's like maybe Adam Sandler may have more to say than Andrew Dice Clay. And then, uh, um, so good for you for like finding a nugget of like truth that like resonates with you. Yeah, and just, like, I think Jack and Jill went up the hill. <laughs> Both of the bucket of quarters. No, but Clay is actually much deeper, I think, than he appears. He is. He really is. I think he's fooled a lot of people by kind of doing his blowhard thing. But he's essentially, uh, he's a very interesting character. He's a very complex he individual. Is, I, like where the, what's interesting is like, I think for me, and, uh, and this isn't a fault for, for Andrew Dice Clay or anything, but like if it was clearly more, like if at some point he came out and he was like, Hey, so uh, you know this uh, clay guy? Yeah, well, actually, 
uh, he's a character and this is my real voice, um, I'd be like, whoa! <laughs> he's the, mo- hands down, the most brilliant Andy Kaufman-esque like, comedian ever. He's very, But very because much. his, like, his, his, he's like, hey, I'm a Clay. And then in real life, he's like, hey, uh, yo. It's hard to tell where like the yeah. line is, and uh, and well, I you know just, it's you've like... just made me respect him even more now to see how 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 <laughs> fooled he has you because he I be- really believe it's it's you really believe that in real it's life a he's deep like game it's a deep game it's very yeah. exciting I'm very I just can't believe these it's not really. that much it's of like, a difference I, think... I, I just I don't know why like an effeminate man it just sounds like the <laughs> the, the, the antithesis of like Andrew Dice but ew no he's <laughs> one of those really New York really Jews like that 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 uh, sounds Italian. Right, he's kind of like from that weird yeah. uh, uh, Saturday Night Fever kind of New York era, right? Mm-hmm. Where like uh, the lines were blurred between Italian dudes because they both had like shaggy chests and and kind of uh, curly hair, so like they kind of talk the same and mob ties and mob ties, <laughs> and they and he plays it up, and of course it's a Godfather he, thing. <laughs> sorry, it's a Godfather thing. It's a bit of a Godfather Rocky thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a Rocky thing. It's a tight package, tight pants kind of situation yeah uh and uh <laughs> and jewish and jewish like at the att- attacked in at the very end yeah, yeah, yeah. no now but i see it, the gold chain good at money <laughs> <laughs> but i see it here in montreal though, you see it with like lebanese greeks uh and uh, other sort of middle eastern mediterranean people they all kind of tend to do the same thing with uh like the soccer mm-hmm. uh, uh, the soccer hair and they kind of soccer hair the, yeah the track <laughs> pants <laughs> I like that uh, it's soccer hair. Yeah. So there's like a thing. And I think he was just part of that. But he's actually, yeah, he's much smarter, I think, than he lets on. And if you ever listen to an interview with him now, he kind of starting to let people in on it. Uh, and it's he's it's he's a very, he's a fascinating guy. Now, anyway. He's been on Rogan a couple of times. It's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I've listened to him talk about it. He's a legend. It, 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 in terms of like, like the, the, the character. But mm. even when he's talking about the character, it's still partly him. Like, of course. He doesn't go full clay. Right. Like his real person is not like that animal. But well, Of course. But he's definitely, it's not a clear divide. No, no. And, and I think that's that the that's, brilliance of it. You, I don't know. I disagree. I feel like that's like saying that Robert De Niro's performance is really good in all his movies. But he's basically playing the same character. He just plays it really well. He just plays it, but it's not as brilliant as like somebody who like like uh, um, Gary Oldman, who is completely different character. He's like almost unrecognizable from one movie to the yes. next. Um, you know, I think that depends on your definition of a, of an artist or or an actor, right? Because you you can actor. either an actor, <laughs> yes, you can either. There's definitely a reverence for that method. The method people who are like, oh no, actually, I'm a nine year old girl. Did I? But I can do a fifty year old angry like uh, ship captain, you know, because I'm <laughs> I'm so hardcore. Like, and I go into character six months before the film, and I come out six months later. And don't call me by my real name. There's that. There's that school, and there's a school of the Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of school of acting where. You take a little bit of that edge that you have and you just fucking crank it to 11, you know? Like, you kind of act really out there, but it's still got, like, a, a sliver of what you are. Well, I think that there are different... Robert, I mean, Robert De Niro versus Gary Oldman, as an example, is, like, Robert De Niro... Like, to me, it doesn't matter how they get to the character. It's just, like, how what, they, what they're doing. Robert De Niro, he's playing the same person in every scenario, but he plays it really well. He, he acts how that character would react in each... 
in each scenario. So like if this if this person was like Ben Stiller's father, this is how he would actually act. If he mm. was a taxi driver, this is how he actually would act. As opposed to Gary Oldman, where he can he can play. I mean, like if he if he was like cast as a 12 year old girl I can imagine him being a 12 year old girl it doesn't matter like I don't care if he's like doing it as like a if he's like pretending to do it outside of like offset yeah but it's just he's he's like the Lon Chaney of today right so he's he plays very different characters to the point that people don't recognize that that's like oh my right. god like but he has the, the Peter Sellers problem where it's like Peter Sellers were, was possibly the most he still is one of the most revered method actors ever like this is a guy that could become anybody Gary Oldman isn't a method actor I don't think I think he definitely is method uh, I, I don't know to what extent but he definitely comes at least minimum from that British uh, theater um, tradition that you know guys like Patrick Stewart and uh, Christian Bale come from the preparation for the role that whole sort of uh, theatri- theatrical aspect yeah. to it Whereas like a, um, method acting, I think, is like when you you take on the role so that at no time in your life are you not that person. So like offset, like um, who does this? Uh, uh, who was um, Daniel Day Lewis? I feel yeah. does this. So it's like you can't like if you if you see him offset, he's still like Bill the Butcher. Yeah. Um, but I think Gary Oldman is just like he's just it's Gary Old like he'll do like he'll say whatever and then he'll be like hey I'm getting you can still get show. I don't know he'll still be like hey Gary he sounds like he does pretty he goes pretty deep in when he he does a character I mean unless yeah. it's a throwaway role right like in yeah Book well he'll of go Eli. deep in because he's a good actor I think maybe that's why I like I feel like though like like good actor doesn't necessarily mean that he's method acting I think I just think he's good at what he does right. um, it's just that he plays a different person every like he, he he's not typecast. Like Robert De Niro, yeah. it's like he's he's you cast Robert De Niro to play a very specific type of person, and you don't basically Robert De Niro, yeah, or Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, Willis plays a really good example, yeah. yeah. Um, Christopher Walken, he's Bruce Willis in event, <laughs> he's Bruce Willis repelling off a building. Yeah. He's did you Bruce see the Christmas uh, decoration? That, yeah, I that did. Someone I made did. Yeah, of, yeah. It's just a shot from the Die Hard when when he's in the vent talking to himself. Light lighting up with a the. Oh, you know what? I've never seen Die Hard. <laughs> really? Oh, I've seen oh, Die Hard two and three, but I've never impressive. seen the original Die Hard. I yeah. I envy it's you. Christmas. There's some it's movies time, that I, you know people now. will freak out when I haven't seen. I haven't seen Rocky. I haven't seen Rambo. We uh, actually have no clout with you whatsoever because we don't know you very well. But can you watch Die Hard and First Blood at, at, <laughs> as soon as you as soon as fucking possible? You know, I've talked about it back, yeah. not long enough. It's almost a game now to not watch it. I came really close to watching Rocky. Uh huh. For the first time, and uh, that's all right. I, I, I ju- here's what happened: is I put the movie on, and then I was like, ten minutes, literally ten minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, Bob's Burgers is actually on right now. So I stopped the movie, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just gonna watch Bob's Burgers, and then I gotta watch Rocky, and then in an episode of it. Bob's Burgers, they spoiled Rocky, which is. It's fine because the statute of limitations on yeah, that movie, yeah. I think, is, is like forty years. Yeah, ago. it's it's fine. <laughs> forty. But I was like, what are the odds that they would spoil it? Right, like they just announced how it ends. Right. And uh, and so I couldn't watch it right there, and so I had to wait long enough for me to forget how because I don't remember now, so I can watch it again. But um, yeah, but see, back then, I was like, I was just the it was so impressive the like the the, the chain of events that happened. Like, what are the odds of Bob's Burgers would that's true ruin I, the movie the just as I'm about to watch the it? The creator of the universe just yeah. didn't want you to watch that movie. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is uh, that's funny because as that those kinds of synchro- synchronicity, I think it's called or whatever, that those kinds of weird coincidences happen to me all the time. 
Um, synergy. Synergy. There you go. Mm. But um, luckily, Rocky and these films are kind of from an era where if someone would blab like the the outcome to you, it doesn't ruin the film really because that's not what the big really or at all. It doesn't really do anything to the movie. Like the fact that you know how Rocky ends. Really, it's the 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 pleasure of he watching. He dies at the end. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the pleasure. Well, of... now I know he doesn't die at the end. This sucks. <laughs> the pleasure of watching Rocky is is um, the an absolute humble, extremely humble, extremely sort of devoid of any artifice kind of portrayal of a guy and his day to day. Like the 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 quiet moments of that movie are way more compelling than the actual outcome of the plot. Just seeing him kind of do his day to day seeing how like he's poor and he's kind of trying to make it through this like crappy city um that's kind of the movie it's it, it that's where it is his his whole like meeting adrian and blah 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 i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know i haven't seen it that's where it really <laughs> what i'm saying if someone I, goes I, like I just, hey uh, at the end of uh at the end of first blood rambo blows shit up wait, and blows everything up wait what are you talking about? Stop ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> I was in uh, some town in BC <laughs> called Hope, I think. Hope, Hope? BC. It's uh-huh. where they filmed Rambo. And what's amazing is that like this is, I, I don't know because I, I haven't seen it, but I know that there's a, a very famous bridge scene, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so I've been told. There's like a bridge okay. possibly blowing up. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's where he dies. Damn it. <laughs> so he <laughs> But then comes back. What's yeah. amazing is you get it's into this town. The town is a population of negative twelve. It's just yeah. there's like a small little town in the middle Buck, of nowhere. Fuck nowhere, yeah. And uh um beautiful town, beautiful people. Uh but <laughs> when you get to the welcome center, they have like a you know those giant pictures where you put your head in, you take a picture. So yeah. they have like a picture of like a guy with a canoe. You know, it's like a like the guy who probably found hope. Um, <laughs> the founder, the founder, founder the guy who discovered hope. It's the last thing he uttered before he died from exposure. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have hope in my what? Anyway, um, freedom. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, somebody, he's dying. Like, what, what do you want? If you could have anything, hope. But they, but they think he's saying hope, but he's actually trying to say. <laughs> I like it. Let's get him a horse. No, no, no. Hooker. Okay. He's trying to say it's just a, that's a I bit. Just need a blowies. Hoagies. So, but what's amazing is so they have this guy who's a possibly like their greatest historical character. And then right next to it is another one of Rambo. And you put your face in and take pictures of you. Right next to the canoe guy. And next to the canoe guy. That's and wonderful. I was like, man, this town is just like it's. I think they have Rambo tours. Of you course, get, get on and like travel around where they film the stuff. Those kinds like, of towns have to like just do whatever. Like the fact that someone no mentioned them is is huge. It's amazing. Just there's like flyover states. Sylvester Stallone all over. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. I mean, have you ever been to Philadelphia? No. You know, at the top of the museum steps, there's a statue. The Rocky. Oh no, there's a statue at the bottom of the steps. But then there's at the top of the steps. There's like a like two feet. It's like well, this is where Rocky stood or something. Yeah. And and when you go there, you're like, I gotta. I mean, I don't. I don't have a choice. I have to run up the steps. Right. But you see, because it's and down this pose. like huge long like uh, a long street, and so it takes a while for you to walk up to see the steps. But you see. Everybody running up these steps. It's just people all day long running up these steps <laughs> for this fictional character. That's so interesting. It's like their famous, like claim to fame. Yeah, 
I think the Liberty Bell is in Philadelphia, but everybody goes to no see fucks given, yeah. Rocky. Just humming to each other, like to sound like. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. That's not the right song. That's not the right song. But <laughs> that's uh, is that the right around the same? That's uh, a final countdown. But yeah, uh, you're, you were close. close. Yeah. Um, yeah. But dun, again, what's the dun, song? Dun, dun, oh, it's that one. Dun, or there's also that's one. later. Dun, dun, I watched too much. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Are you sure you haven't seen this movie? I'm sure. I just I like scores and soundtracks. I watched too much Arrested Development. I think. Yeah. I was like the Job doing the magic. Exactly. Cards flying out of his hands. The thing is that we're doing the the wrist thing, and I'm sure anybody who's watched Arrested Development at home while they're thinking about it is doing the wrist thing. Right. Yeah. Like we're like you know the thing with they're like yeah yeah the wrist thing we're doing it right now the chicken the chicken dance which i always thought was really great so what's this movie you're working on what's this uh what's this project you're talking about uh so yeah so it's my first feature film it's called woodland gray okay um it's uh it's uh it's a thriller almost a horror Uh, it's kind of on the line um and um yeah it's uh first feature so it's really exciting to make this this big project deal man yeah um you wrote it uh, I wrote it with my writing partner, Jesse Tufaxis. And um, yeah, we've been writing it for about a year and a half now. Uh, we, Is it uh, related to Elias? I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> Elias Tufexis is uh, is uh, a well-known guy in the gaming community. He's the voice of Adam Jensen from the Deus Ex series. And he's a Montreal kind of... Uh, so I, I don't hear well, I'm that last sure. name very often, but anyway, yeah. go on. You wrote I'm gonna, this? I'll ask him. Yeah, I'll ask him, and then you can put it in the show notes. There you go. So <laughs> Adam's writing partner is related to. It's not even doesn't even say who my writing partner is. It'll just say that he, Adam has co-written this movie with the, a writing partner. The brother whose of, brother is. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do So uh, so you two like I've never co-written anything with someone. It's Me neither. I, this is the first time. What was that like? <clears throat> uh, surprisingly easy. How does that work? Like who? Someone's doing the typing. Someone's doing the, like you. How are you merging these ideas? Um, well, uh, we we outline together, and then we he usually typically how it works is that we outline together, and then he'll go off and write pages. Then comes back and we go over the pages together, re-outline, make some notes and changes. Then he'll go back and write pages. Okay. Um, so he's the he's the like typist. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I to mean, a certain degree. Okay, he's the he he he's not just the typist, but yeah, he definitely likes to do a lot of the writing. Uh, that's kind of how we got through most of the script. Um, recently, it's kind of a little more fifty fifty. I've been writing. He's kind of writing stuff. It's interesting. He's writing. He'll write new pages now, and I do rewrites. So he'll he'll write current stuff, and I go back pages before and change things. And because mm-hmm. as we as we write the story, we like change the outline a little bit, and then I go back and make the changes. And so, um, is the story based on something, or is it an original story? It's an original story. I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's not yeah, it's definitely an original story. It was kind of very. I mean, the the. The idea of a concept of the story came from a, uh, something I read about a hermit living out in the in the woods. But in um, some uh, a couple of the things, which would be spoilers if I told you. But sure. um, but there's no yeah, it's not a story based on anything. It's just like the, the concepts. Like it would be cool if like I took this element and that element mm-hmm. and put it together. Yeah. The thing is, like I had this idea for this movie uh, and tried to write. I wrote about the first fifteen pages of it um, and was kind of crippled with. Uh, 
not fear, but yeah, you know what? I'm gonna say it. I'll say fear. Yeah, I was kind of crippled with fear about making my first feature in terms of like how, like the pressure I put on myself for what kind of movie do I want to write? What is the strategic, um, the best strategic type of movie? Do I want to do a horror or a drama? And uh, you know, I had this other movie that I wanted to adapt. Um, actually, it's an interesting story. Originally, my first feature was going to be this. Uh, I really wanted to adapt this this story from this uh, about from this book that um, it's like a small, relatively unknown book that was written in the seventies. I thought it would be really great, and it was a drama, but I thought it would be perfect. Um, and we tried to get the rights to 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 option for the book, um, and we finally got in touch with the author, who's such a nice guy. And uh, he wrote back and he, and he told us that Zack Snyder actually had the rights. Oh, snap. And he was like, you should reach out to Zack. He's a very – him and his wife, they're very, very nice people. <laughs> sure. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that they won't give any shit about some <laughs> – got to finish this conversation I'm having with Steven Spielberg. But yeah, sure. Yeah. I'll call him afterwards. Well, it's so funny how people just assume – okay, here – we're going to sidetrack for, uh, for another yeah. random story that's kind of somewhat related. It's just thinking about – funny how people assume that you're more connected or better or Always. more further along than you are when, you're when you say filmmaker it, uh, people just yeah so years ago like when i was a student at dawson uh in film cinema communications is like early 2000s maybe even 1999 2000 i uh i, I started to develop a short script um i wanted to I wanted to adapt uh, a story called Dread from one of the books of blood from Clive Barker. Um, and I thought it would be a really great story to do as a short film and wrote the script. It turned out to be, I didn't really know much about stuff, but I wrote a 50 page script, which is a terrible idea for a short film to do 50 pages, yeah. but whatever. But then I called them. To, I called the film. <laughs> yeah. My almost right. It's like in that middle ground. So I had got, I had somehow reached out to, Clive Barker's publicist to try to, or or a publisher, sorry, to try to find uh, the rights to get the rights to do Dread. And at, so at one point I'm at home and my mother, I was living it with my parents at the time, my mother calls me, Adam, somebody from Clive Barker's office is on the phone. Word. And I was like, you've got to be shitting me out. What? So I like I run to the phone and sure enough, it's this person from Clive Barker's office. And they're like, hi, thank you so much for your inquiry about Dread. Uh, that we'd love to be able to give you the rights, but it's actually in development for uh, a, like an anthology film. Um, so we can't give it to you right now. But we would like to offer you possibly Weave World. Now, I don't know if you are a Clive Barker fan. I don't fan. know Barker very well. Um, he did Hellraiser and Candyman. He's kind yeah. of famous, but his books. So Weave World is like eight million pages. It's like a giant, and it's like let's like, face it, any any property with the wor world in the title, you know, right. you're, you're yeah, in for some absolutely. shit. Absolutely, but it would be basically like they, they were like, you could have this, and I, I I laughed out loud over the phone, and I was like, I still live with my parents. <laughs> I can't I can't do Weave World. This is it would be like somebody calling you up and saying like like when you're 19 years old and saying, hey, do you, you have no film experience would you like to make the movie dune sure you know yeah adapt sure. it into an hbo six season uh, just adapt series? it into a short With johnny film. depp <laughs> what you have no film experience or resources right. here's dune you know like it was it would be like that so um anyway that's awesome <laughs> 
we digress. Yeah. Um, so woodland gray. So woodland. So woodland gray. So woodland gray is not that extensive. It's not. But uh, yeah. So it's so um, after the the movie, we weren't able to secure the rights for this story uh, from this book. Uh, I started to write this 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 thing, but I was like I said, I was like kind of stuck and not sure if I'm doing the right thing. And I thought maybe I should get a writing partner and at least to like if for nothing else and to bounce some ideas off. Uh, so I put um, a couple ads up. And uh, the first person to respond um, that I was able to meet with was this guy Jesse. And Jesse is a friend of mine's boyfriend at the time. Now they're uh, they're engaged, um, but at the time they they were dating. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll like I'll give it a shot, right? Um, the idea was we'd meet and kind of just talk about what I'm trying to do, and if it felt right, maybe we'd meet again. But we met, and within like the first the first meeting, we were already writing. Oh, shit. it just clicked so well. Um, yeah, so we just, you know, we just have a really good working relationship. Um, and, uh, we call each other out on like bad ideas, which is really great. Uh, which That's is what super I really valuable. Need. Yeah. Super valuable. It really is. Like I'm really. That's what Richard know. does for me. Yeah. Consistently. No, I don't. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but it's fun. It's good to like, you know, it'd be in the middle, literally the middle of the night and I can text him and be like, Oh my God, this thing. Like I had like a breakthrough idea and then he'll text me and. Um, that's so rare you know so yeah it's really great it's working like I don't know if this is something that I would want to that I would do in the future for other films but it works now and why would like I'm not gonna you know we're just gonna get through this script and then through this movie and then we'll see where the future takes it like I think it's good for like drama and so I don't know if I could see myself writing a comedy with somebody um, but who knows I don't know I'm not right. sure where but, are you at in the process now like how far along is this film so the the script is almost completely written. Um, it's it's fully outlined. Uh, it's almost completely written. Um, we're technically what the stage is technically is development. Um, and so what we've done, um, we're we're almost looking for funding. We have like a, a we I say we because I'm used to working in the but it's really just me at this point. <laughs> I mean Jesse helps with the writing, but everything else is just me. So. Uh, the plan right now is, that, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find funding and that I'm trying to target independent funders, uh, independent investors. And the way I'm going about doing that is something that seems a little strange for people on the outside is I'm trying to, I'm doing a fundraising campaign online without asking people for money. I'm asking people for likes. For likes. Likes. So hashtag no likes, just money. No, that's not true. <laughs> hashtag no likes, hashtag just no money. money, just likes is what no I money. meant to say. <laughs> no likes, just money. I'm gonna do no likes, just money next yeah. next year. Uh, that's really funny. Uh, no hashtag no money, just likes. Um, so here's here's the here's a thought behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like all like I'm fascinated. Things. So um, what I'd like to show to investors is a really good um, pitch. Uh, almost like a pitch book, a lookbook. And in that book, there's going to be um, uh, some um, storyboards, uh, treatment, uh, links to trailers that are have been shot. Uh, um, there'll be links to the, the full script. Um, there'll be budgets. There'll be uh, potential what posters might look like. You have some proof of concept stuff shot already? Yeah. Uh-huh. So so I have like a lot, all that stuff is kind of like compiled. And then what I'm doing is I'm, I'm releasing that stuff online. Um, and as I release those things online, people hopefully are getting excited about this movie. And if they get excited, then they'll like this page. And so when I compile all those, all that content together and present it to an investor, I can say, here's like proof of concept, like you said, here's like what we, I think we could do. 
And there's also an audience. And the audience is 10,000 likes. And the goal is to try to get 10,000 likes. Um, and and then so I, I can use that as leverage to try to present to an investor. Um, so that's like where here's we, my audience. It's already... Yeah, it's everything's already in waiting. place. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it just makes somebody who who's putting money into a film a little more willing to put money into a film if they know that people actually want to see the movie. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it does. I don't... Like, I've, I've never raised this kind of money before, so... I've um, I've done it I've done it uh, and I can tell you that that that's the right way to do it in the sense that it's all about you have to challenge the old the old um, like business model right because that it's not feasible anymore. So you've made a feature? I didn't know that. I haven't made a feature. Oh, okay. But I've raised okay. money. I've raised money and built help build communities ahead of time ahead right. of the project okay. and kind of use the hype of the project to build the audience ahead of time. Yeah. And then uh, in those cases, we did raise money. Uh, yeah, we did raise money in both cases. In one case, actually, we raised the money after the fact and we recouped the costs to the to the film. Nice. In the second situation, I uh, helped raise uh, the money about maybe like 10K, uh, which is what, uh, which is not like a tremendous amount of money, but right. in indie, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, based on similar material that you're mentioning like a little bit of trailers a little bit of proof of concept stuff uh detail almost giving the lookbook to the people but yeah you're absolutely on the right track i feel like maybe someone else might disagree that and i think richard is uniquely unique even though he has like no connection to the film industry Mm -hmm. the guy's whole life is about audiences and likes and clicks and and getting the audience together with the products that you know like the marketing aspect of it online Mm -hmm. so i think i don't know do it sounds to me like he's doing it the right way like i mean oh at least that's a powerful message to bring to say someone as opposed to i have a great idea give me ten thousand dollars going i have ten thousand people waiting for this product I just want to get them get this to them, but they're already awaiting the the project. Like the eyes are open. If you have somebody that wants to put the money in, who just wants to make sure that the audience, like the reduce the the risk involved, to make sure that there's an audience that's built in, then yeah, sure. That's not exactly what I do, but yeah, I could see that. No, I'm benefit. telling you, this is what you do. No, it's, it's <laughs> kind of not. The... But you have to. But you are taking people's. You are taking. Um, our budgets, right? And you're putting them where it's going to um, uh, have effect, right? It's, it's, you're right. taking that money and you're making sure that that's going to meet the eyes. Like they're entrusting you to make the connect between the money and the, um, the, the, the placement of the product, right? Right. That is very similar to what he's talking about. He's just saying that at this point, he's doing it kind of in reverse. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I already have the clicks. Uh, now can I get some money? <laughs> yeah, and people right? who are yes, looking yeah, to invest. Kind of, yeah, to, to a certain degree. I mean, the thing is, like, I know that like when when I make this movie, I'm not selling the movie back to those people. I'm I'm making the movie and I'm selling it to a distributor, and that distributor will make it back to the movie. So the the idea is is like it's not to show the investor that people want to see it; it's to show the investor that the distributor is going to see that people want to see it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so I know so like the movie is marketable to a distributor because the movie is marketable to those people because it's going to get views because it's going to get views and the fact that there's like there's like a there's like a st- launching pad like it's like it's a place to start from. It's not like starting from scratch you know um yeah but but there's a little bit of like a, there's like a glass ceiling involved um you know with online stuff that that's hard to break through in terms of like your social network right mm-hmm. so 
I think what we found right now is like I've reached <clears> kind <throat> of that plateau right now, and trying to break through that is is somewhat of a challenge. Like you capped to... at a certain amount of likes, and it's hard to get past yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Why like the that last, happen? like the first seven hundred and fifty likes were 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 happened in the first four days or something, give or take the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at a thousand and fifty now. And it's been like mm-hmm. that for about a month. It's really hard, like, to get to get past that because I think a, a lot of people, and um, yeah, I think a lot of people who know you in your circle are really excited to to get involved. But right. there's so much out there that to get <clears throat> noticed, to even to commit to just a like, is so hard. Um, but what I think people don't get, like, people people share. So, like, let's just say I post something. I post uh, a trailer, a teaser for the movie. Um, and then my friends will post it. The people that are seeing that have already liked my my page. Right. So, I'm glad that those people are sharing it, but they're not – but people aren't really seeing it. So, they just see that there's, like, a thing out there. What people, like – what gets the most – interest is if somebody posts something about liking my page but writes a personal message to people then people don't know who i am will will like the will will kind of go out of their way to explore it a little bit or people who have a large following online there was this, there's right. like a um uh I mean, some some woman that is a, a model on my page on my facebook page like my personal page rather and uh, I don't really know how we're friends, but we, we've connected online. And she seemed to be really interested in what I did. And she shared my page and I got 200 likes out of her share. So I have people from mine. She's got people from all over the world who, who liked it because she shared it. So, but getting to those like either Please feel influencers free to introduce or, her to us. If you, <laughs> sorry? <laughs> Please feel free to introduce her to us. But you're right. There's these like, you know. it's like, um, this is so geeky, but it's like, like you're floating around in space, right? And your gas pockets or whatever you want to call it, right? Like you're, you could be recruiting all over here and it just, it is what it is. And then you just happen to fall on this one person and, and that unlocks like this whole world because you don't realize yeah. they had an audience. Yeah. I mean, there's this thing where like, it sounds like what you're, you're relying on is sort of the, the word of mouth thing, right? That like, mm-hmm. uh, that I like you. I like what you're doing, so I put that up on my page. And because people like me and they trust the fact that I have good taste in people, they're like, okay, this Adam guy, this, this project must be like a good, good well, project. Well, I'm hoping that right? it's not that. I was The plan was really like to for like if you're friends with me and then I can post I, – I put up some stuff and you're like, oh, cool. I like Adam, so I like his stuff. Right. But then, but then you'll see the actual content of it and share that and people who don't know me won't – like I – I would rather them look at that and not say, oh, Adam Ryder might be a nice guy. I'll like it. But right. more like, that looks like it's going to be a cool movie. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah, excited. Yeah. That's what I want. For sure. But that's hard to get. That's that's yeah. that's yeah, it's hard sure. to get. So I, I kind of end up relying because there's only so much content I can put out with before Without actually making the, the movie. whole movie. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of it, what it ends up it being is a lot of like, hey, I'm Adam Ryder. Yeah. You know, and it's a, more about me than the movie, which is unfortunate, but that i kind of yeah that's the kind of the the impression that i got when i took a look because i didn't i wasn't familiar with uh, actually i had heard about it before we we started talking and i'd already liked the project ahead of time i thought it was cool like the whole like uh no uh no likes just money and uh, (laughs) you know like i thought it was it was an interesting concept like that was that was like a good little hook to get people's attention but then Mm getting to the page like it seems like you're doing kind of like you're doing like the uh, bit of like the daily like blog posts sort of stuff and the yeah. there's some really nice nice um shots like screen i don't know if there's a, those are actually screenshots of the movie but like 
Yeah, there's some screenshots, but there's three there's three teasers that are out there, and there's a full trailer that's going to be out in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Um. So and there, and we just put out a, a poster that was made. We put out a couple posters. Um. I asked uh, some local artists to to kind of give me some ideas, and, and so we just launched one that seems to everybody just losing their minds over, myself oh, nice. included. It looks really really cool. Um. That I think is going to adds a little bit of like professionalism to it, but. I don't. Uh, it just there's that class. I just want people to, like, where do you go to get people to be excited about a movie that's not made if you don't know if people don't know any of your stuff yet, right? It's really right. it's really hard. So maybe like a thousand likes is where you can get with just like uh, promotion and friends and friends of friends and people saying, oh yeah, go go check this out. And then after that, you need in order to push to the next level, like you need to have like more of a hook or more of like a teaser trailer or something that's like really, yeah, I, I don't know. You wanting I guess more, you know, like, I'm gonna I don't see know like with the trailer. The, the interesting thing is like we shot like the trailer shows what the first thirty minutes. It's like a trailer for the first thirty minutes, but there's okay. so much else that's going to be out there that budget, time, and the potential for ruining the story at this point is yeah. is. I have like an idea, too, but too I'll great. Just, just flash, and then boom. after the show, I'll and, I'll, I'll, I'll throw yeah. something your way that I think might 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 me be a novel. But yeah, just, just flash, yeah. and then to black, and then dubstep, yeah, yeah, and then, and then <laughs> God damn it, Richard! <laughs> I knew what you were going to say. Stop stealing my thunder, <laughs> so, buddy. But yeah, uh, kinda, yeah. Kinda, you kind of have to do parlor tricks to get the a little bit. Going. I'm trying to I'm trying to reach out to like I'm doing this all all myself, you know. So uh, I wish I had the budget to be able to hire like a publicist uh, or you know full time like online person, yeah. or even just part time. Like I just somebody to to try to like help me get some traction um, out. And you know what? Like I'd love it if I can get some traction like outside of Montreal, as I think like. Um, I think potentially some people like I'm not I'm not well known in the city, but I am somewhat known in the city. Like especially the anglophone community, people have heard of me here and there. Somebody somebody's knows me in you know here and there, right? But outside of the city, no one like who I'm nobody, right? I got it. So trying to I would, you're, would be you're somebody if to I can, us. Somebody, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> It'd be, be great safe. if I can get something something going, like you know, doing like even podcasts like this. Yeah, yeah just to, or, to um, shoot, shake the tree a little bit. Yeah, yeah, or get like yeah, some like people writing blogs and stuff just to write something. Have your about trailer it. playing in the background of a comedy set. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're gonna see. Uh, but I, I gotta start looking for investors uh, next month. So, whether I have ten thousand or I'm just exactly where I am. Do you have that number of of, of uh, that amount that you you're looking for, or like you know that this is as the minimum of what you need? Uh, I can tell you right now, we're looking for around one hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. It's probably what we're looking at. So the way the way I like to I don't like to look at it as one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I like to look at it as a, um, a, a bunch of like smaller investments. You know, like if I can one hundred and fifty million likes, one hundred fifty million <laughs> likes. Yeah. No, if I can get like, you know, uh, if I can get thirty people to don't to to invest five thousand dollars, I think that's a lot more. I can wrap my head around that a lot easier. Yeah. Then, I, I'm like you on you that know, score. Yeah, definitely. Then 150 grand is like more than I no, can. No, no, you don't even, want. Anyone and that's like to, nothing compared to like what you know. That's nothing yeah. for movies. Yeah, but, but I mean, you don't want anyone to be bringing that kind of uh, uh, investment. It's uncomfortable. You know. 
I mean, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. If somebody, no, if somebody came to me and was like, oh, I got $150,000 for you, I would say, yeah, there's no question. It's not about comfortable. It's just about in terms of like, what do I think is an attainable goal? I don't, it's like, if I was trying to run a marathon, I don't think that I could run whatever the 50, 50 kilometers it is. I would have to, do, okay, I can run the first five and then I can run another five and then I can run, I have to divide, put it into, divide it up like that seems much more manageable. So like when I think about like trying to raise 150000 I really am just trying to find 30 investors. Mm-hmm. Of five thousand at least, or mm. fifteen investors of ten grand. You know what I mean? Like something that right. seems much more manageable. Have you thought about doing like the crowdsourcing sort of thing? I did, or? and and I'm not going to do it. Um, and I, the reason May we ask why? Yeah, yeah um, it's the, the reason. Uh, okay, what it kind of boils down to is I I, did, I raised money on my last film, and um, and people are really supportive. A lot of people, a lot of my friends and people around me are really supportive, but I can't keep asking. It would be different if I didn't have that glass ceiling, if it wasn't only my social network, but at a certain point, I can't keep asking people to donate to my dream. Like, it just doesn't mm. make sense. Yeah, and, I and I feel that. guilty and, like, I can't just keep asking people to give me their money because I want to do this. And, like, people want to do their own thing, you know. And even though it could be five bucks here, five bucks there, and some people are genuinely interested in giving me, me some money to help, I, I just I can't keep asking for it. Um, and so in I the same way that your way. like campaign ended up being a lot of your friends and friends of friends, yeah. like, you're, you're, you're thinking that the crowdfunding would end up being the same yeah it would definitely be the same i mean like if it was another like a lot of other films that get like bigger films you know they get a lot of funding from other people because they, they have a they have a following that is bigger than than what i have online right right um you know the ones like the crowdfunding people are like yeah you know people raise millions of dollars i'm like yeah but those people are famous right yeah the way true. they're you know? crowdsourcing their stuff too though yes but they're famous and so like they're asking people to give them money uh, in the same way that they ask people to pay for a ticket to go see their movie, so like like um, the the relationship is different. People yeah. are giving them money because it's a business transaction, as opposed to people giving me money because they want me to succeed. They 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 know me, Adam Ryder, not the product I'm trying to. You know right. what I mean? Right. Most of, to be honest, like everybody who's given me money the last time and people who supported me through my f- film career, I would say very very small percentage of those people have actually seen my movies. Mm. Not a lot of people have seen my uh, movies. Okay. My movies have like. You know they've played at different film festivals and have won some good awards faith. and stuff. Yeah. But like people just they're they're excited about somebody they know making movies. And you, yeah. I understand we're just doing how, something. Know. But yeah, that's a horrible exactly. just doing something just, is even, so rare. Yeah. But that's just one of those things that you like you don't want to ever exploit that because that's I so, don't. You're so right. precious. I get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and I and I yeah. feel like so it's that's like, if I did another crowd crowdfunding campaign, I feel like I'd be taking advantage. And, Even and I, I mean, don't want to do that. You've done it before, right? You've I've done, done it twice, actually. I did it one for perks. a movie that didn't work. What's that? You've done perks, right? Like by, yep. by virtue, like yep. so. Yeah. That's kind of a way to offset some of that. It is, although last the last one was weird because uh, some of the perks, like there was some confusion about people getting stuff and then didn't get stuff. Uh, people yeah, you had need to put, put someone on that, <laughs> and like, and, and then. The, um, you know, there's a, something online about like if you if you want to get your perk, you have to like fill out this form. But then people not filling that out and then not getting their form, and then I feel bad because they didn't get. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. there's like a whole. So there's to this day, and if anybody's listening, there's there's some people who didn't get their perks from the Remain Calm campaign, which is a movie that I made uh, from Remain Calm. And if you still want it, let let me know because I still have stuff. But it's really it's really hard for me to. Uh, 
Like you lost track uh, of it a little bit. Well, not that I lost track. It's just like it not like there was some confusion about people putting their thing, and some people had put their like said that they wanted it, and then by the time it was ready, they had moved. Like one person, like I hand delivered some of them, and and then I found out that they moved a month later. And also one of the camp. Okay, here's something that worked really well and did not work is that one of the perks, the most popular perk was for, for 20 bucks or something, you would get this, that, and the other thing. Plus, I would write you a letter super drunk. Interesting. And so what I did was is that I would like, everybody who was supposed that. to get a drunk That's letter, a idea. I would write down, I would like write the address and everything down and write, I had a pre-made printed letter apologizing for whatever I was going to write. And then I got super trashed and then wrote these letters, stuffed it in the envelope and sealed it so my sober eyes never saw any of these things. <laughs> the problem with that. great idea. It's a great idea. It was great. People loved it who got it. But the problem with that, some people never got it. Some people got it. Uh, but it was for somebody like I had put somebody else's letter in because it was too drunk to keep track. <laughs> and so like it was the whole handler. thing fell you apart like and just like I needed like somebody to watch me while I did this of and course. try to facilitate just being uh, drunk in my living room, the writing stuff, you know. A designated so, designated post poster, yeah. <laughs> sort and lick uh, yeah. envelopes, push you by the yeah. forehead back into the room. <laughs> So, yeah, so like, you know, so there's some confusion with that and I feel, I feel bad about some people not getting their stuff uh, or some people, uh, anyway. Okay, anyway, the, the, yeah. the idea of perks, uh, even if they were in an ideal world, well-organized, doesn't really offset the, the kind of not wanting to go there again. No, because I, don't, I can't imagine offering a perk that would make sense to people that is, that you're getting something of value, um, Sure, you but know, I mean, if you look at it as a like, uh, if you're a painter, right, right, at some point you have a vernissage, yeah, and at that vernissage, people show up, they pay some sort of cover, and there's some bad wine, some cheese, and they come and look at your stuff, and some people care, most people don't, they just love you and they want to support you and what yeah. you're doing. That's like opening night at a movie. Yeah, I mean, like the, it, it's kind of. I understand. I'm not trying to act like I, I know better or I have a different answer for this, right. but um, I think that there's something there's a, there, I, I don't think is at, there's those, like you look at bands, you see this with bands. There's the bands that are like, like really against any kind of crowd. So they feel it as it's a selling out kind of, you're not paying your dues. You know, right. how dare you ask, especially if you were great once. Like if was it one of the most notorious crowdfunding stories online is the band Orgy. I don't know if you remember them. Who yeah. Were, they were known particularly for that cover of uh, um, Blue Monday. Yeah. Um, and they were part of that early 2000s new metal glam thing, corn thing. So they came out of the woodwork and they asked their fans to to back their new album, which which is a soaring piece of shit. Anyway, it's like it was a horrible failure. But did they get the album as a perk? I think so. I think their perks were, were like okay. But the problem was is that they had kind of an arrogance about it. They were like, hey, remember us from 10 years ago? Uh, we, were, we were super cool 10 years ago. And I know some of you still love us, some of our material. So pay for our album. Right, like that's definitely the right. wrong attitude. But, but uh, although it might be the wrong attitude, I can appreciate them doing like selling the album as a, as a perk whereas like for me the only way for me to do that would be to sell tickets to see the movie which you can't which i can't because i don't even know where it's going to end up like what if what if they they well, you buy put together, tickets for the movie and then it goes on netflix well you put together a viewing right a private viewing for sure the, for that the, was but when i did that last time 
um, only about 20% of the people, like one of the perks was like you get to see, you know, but only 20% of the people came. Oh, but that's not um, on you. You, you organized the well, event. But they're still, but they're still pay, like, oh, that's what I'm saying. It's like they're still putting money in because they want to support and not because they want, because they're getting something of value back. And, and, and there's like uh, so many times I could do that with a clear conscience and feel like, like, I, like okay. they feel good about supporting something um, and they're not necessarily getting something back. And then it's a point where they're like, they're, they keep putting money into this thing and like, mm. you know, what is, what are they getting back? Depends so much you money know. they have, really. Like money versus time, right? Like oftentimes yeah. you'll get invited to do this thing and you'll end up having to give up an evening of your night, uh, like an evening of your time and also 20 bucks sort of right. thing. Whereas like you can just be like, Here's twenty bucks. And I don't have to give. Uh, Here's a hundred of my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Here's a hundred. Go get him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 I guess something I don't weird know. about it's asking like for the money as opposed to like going to a like a bar where you're showing your stuff and you have to pay at the door anyways, and then also give your time and then also buy drinks and yeah. all this other stuff. It just it. it I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I, I think I, it's, I see the difference. Yeah. In a way, it's more efe- efficient, but socially, it's hard. It's not quite sustainable right so if you go to a bar as a recipient i I could imagine that being like weird at a certain point to be like okay this far no further yeah that's what i I kind of feel or i I feel like like it was it was teetering on that the last time Mm. and i don't want to because the truth is like at some point like i want to this is a a profession that i want to to be in like i want this to be my full-time job and i can't rely on other people as a crowdfunding uh, gig to be my employers, right? Right. Yeah. I have to true. have to make it as like a. It's got to be like within the confines of the industry. Now I know we're saying that like other people in the industry do crowdfunding, but it's not the norm and it's not typically. Okay, how but it's hang done, on. Let, you know? let me yeah, throw this yeah. at you. Let yeah. me challenge this idea. And once again, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to convince you because I don't have a clear answer to this either. Because I'm, I don't. I don't think you're a big fan of it either, right? No, I, I I'm not 100 behind it. I uh, I have a problem with it. I think the reason I had an easy time doing it that time when I did it really successfully is because the we shot the movie, hmm. we 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 took the plunge financially, and then it came back to us because there was a product ready to be delivered. Right. right. It's also but, an insane amount of work. I think people don't realize. Like I I, I did you know I I do workshops on how to crowdfund. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I think I know how to how it works, um, but people don't realize that it is Insane pretty much a full time yeah. job yeah, to try to do. To, it's not just you put it up there and then you get stuff. No, no, man, you got to be. So I don't have the on top of everything that I said. I don't have the time to sure. manage that kind of. Campaign. Well, let me throw this at you. Like, yeah. okay, so instead of let's say trying to hype it, um, start with your friend base and then sort of try to kind of branch out from there and approach you know independent investors you apply for a grant right some right. arts council thing mm-hmm. bravo fact whatever the fuck it is and you get the money that's tax money right right it's other people's money right yeah it's going into these foundations for art and whatever but this is other basically you're you're going to be using other people's money no matter how you break it would you rather take five grand out of someone's <laughs> hide or two bucks that does not that that equation doesn't really mathematically add up because okay. um you know when people when money is earmarked for grants uh assume that it is a government grant not like a private body yeah that's grant, what we're talking about here. um you know th- there's a certain amount of money a percentage of the taxes that you pay that is earmarked for for artistic investment um, whether it goes to me or goes to somebody else, that's all. That's that's what you're you're already paying that, um, and 
and you don't and, and to a certain degree you don't have a choice you're paying your taxes that's part of the you know living in a culture that that provides art that percentage goes towards but if you consider how much of that percentage is coming out of your paycheck every day it's not like i'm taking five dollars out of everybody's page we're talking about like pennies yeah at the at the, at a, the most a quarter right? of a penny just you know you know unnoticeable amounts go well, towards a, that specific grant give me um, your pennies so, there's a there's a campaign we can get going <laughs> yeah, yeah i know <laughs> to raise one hundred fifty thousand. hashtag give me your yeah. pennies give me your penny. the effort involved just to get pennies yeah i think that like um I, I hear what you're saying <laughs> but i i think that like i would rather you know get a grant although i'm not applying for grants um because i don't I think get you're grants, thinking but, of superman 2 superman 2 <laughs> When yeah. I fly around the world in reverse, to, no, it was, oh. wasn't that Superman just, three? Oh, Superman three, sorry. Yes, yeah. when he uh, when he like rounded off the right. check, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or uh, uh, Office Space, oh, yeah, Office yeah. Space as Office well. Space, the, yeah. That that yeah, and uh, was it uh, Al Capone's um, accountant in Untouchables? I think did the same mm. thing. But That's anyway, the real question. Yeah, why so, don't you Office Space or Superman three? Sex is work, <laughs> sex work. I have thought about next. both of those. Sex work and on round yeah rounding off a check and i mean very fleetingly i don't think that i could live with myself for stealing i would <laughs> be guilty uh i would i would like i would be so anxious because of the guilt and fear of getting caught that my quality of life would never be good so what you're saying is you're um, a decent human I'm being i'm a decent human being and then and then the other thing is i don't think i'm attractive enough to be to do sex work for well money. you would be uh you'd be surprised uh we uh we we uh, had an episode here what we, we call a takeover which we'll be launching soon yeah where we let someone else one of our former guests come in and kind of take over the podcast okay and have her own guests come on we weren't even here which was kind of All awesome right. and it, it was a couple of sex workers uh, and that episode's coming out soon. Who and, took over? Sorry, the, the sex workers took over. No, the the person, the, the guests. former guest took over. The the guests were sex workers, and uh, from what I've come to understand is like like you just like with your ideas, you, which are you think because you know them so well, they're not valuable. Uh, there's someone out there that wants a piece of you. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be the person you want to have a piece of you, but right. there's, there's someone out there. Well, who's like, let me God put damn. it out there. Somebody <laughs> wants me for $150,000. I will do pretty much anything. Hashtag no money <laughs> or just please money for flesh. <laughs> money for flesh. As Hashtag. long as I'm not permanently <laughs> scarred yes. or disfigured. <laughs> no, no, no. No, there's some people, like I said, uh, uh, sex work is, uh, is, is, we have a, a preconceived notion of like being money for sex. Money for is, sex is the new hashtag. Money for yeah. flesh. No, oh, flesh. Okay. Uh, being uh, subjected to the worst thing. But you do understand, uh, things have changed. People will contract you for things that you wouldn't believe, they'll contract you to run their fingers through your hair, right? Like, that's the thing. I will, yeah. I will mm. do that. I'm making the announcement now. Yeah. I will do that. If somebody wants to pay me to run their fingers through my hair or my fingers through your hair. Yeah. Hmm. It's yeah, out okay. there. You're laughing now. and <laughs> you're swinging you're gonna, both ways. You're going to get. Will, I will, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hair top and bottom. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to get an email and it's going to fuck you up because it, it's out there. Listen, I'm sure I there is. I, I'm okay with it. Listen, you. there are women. There are people. There are pe- there's sex workers out there who get paid to send people 
their nail clippings. Okay, like it's it's a new world. People, it like every appetite has. I feel a, like maybe I just need. Mm, an I've taken agent, this too far. A sex worker agent <laughs> yeah. to help me do all the not shitty but still lucrative, sexy things. That's I just right. see the interview, like, like the press junket every week. I just yeah, put I, my dirty underwear in this bag. Send I have a vision. Uh, Adam, of you at a press junket with like that shitty lighting and the poster in the back and some yeah. some some soulless interviewer on the other side of of and sitting in the director chair and going like, so how did you finance this film? And you're like, well, basically, there's no sex in the film, but I had a lot of sex for the film. <laughs> you know, like just I feel and like, like walk off stage like I've just been riding a horse for six days, like, <laughs> just bow legged. <and laughs> During the interview, you have a choker and there's yeah. some random person holding it, and just be like, I gotta go now. I still have to pay off the special effects on the stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So, uh, but I'm a director, so it's okay. (laughs) I'm sure there's people that have done much worse. I yeah. Listen, I am not. I am not (laughs) Not proud to. (laughs) I'm not too proud proud. to do stuff. (laughs) Uh, I really just. I really. I want to make it work, so I will work. (laughs) I'll work it. (laughs) So okay, Woodland Gray. Yeah. uh, You're active online. You do do interact with people online. Do you have a like a online thing? Uh, for Woodland Gray or just in general? Just in general. Like, do, do you interact with people? Uh, I mean, yeah, through I guess through my own Facebook page to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I try to, I guess. Which uh, is? Uh, Adam Ryder on Adam Facebook. Ryder. Okay, yeah, okay, you can cool. find me on Facebook. We'll, pick, There's, uh, we'll put some links up. Yeah, but you can find me. There's The Woodland Gray page is a good page to, to go get for it. it. And so especially because I'm trying to get people to like it. It would be cool if the link is, liked it. No, this is totally uh, the moment com. to drop. So Facebook.com. Yeah, Facebook.com backslash Woodland Gray. Okay. So you can check Everybody that out. like that shit. That's gray with an A that. or E? Uh, with an E. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Woodland Gray. Yeah. And uh, other work that you that if people want to like, do you have other stuff up there? I'm guessing you do. Yeah. I mean, I got all kinds. I'm, I'm a man of many projects. So uh-huh. I got all kinds of stuff that's going on. Uh, the, ne- the next big exciting thing is I'm in the middle of putting together uh, the Montreal International Podcast Festival. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's a that's a festival that'll be our first year in October. So it's still a ways away. It's a little less than a year. Richard and I um, actually have a podcast called Fire in a Hole. Uh, I don't know if I have be heard... Nothing about it. Something. I understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rumor has it. You should, you should be on sometime. It'd be great, man. I mean, I'd love to be a guest. Show. That'd be amazing. But uh, yeah, no, th- it's so funny because now people are like, oh, well, that's why they had him on. Like, we had no fucking clue you were the guy. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. Well, it's fun. Yeah. Because we don't really advertise who the producers are yet. Okay. I mean, we kind of, sort of, but really in passing. Do you podcast? Have you podcasted? Uh, I don't. I, I started to podcast, but then I had a. I, I was on the verge of a podcast, but then I had a little bit of like a medical snafu. And so okay. now I now I, I I put that on pause and I'm doing some other stuff. So. so that's coming. The podcast festival. The podcast festival is is coming soon. We're gonna we're like just kind of putting some things in place, and we're gonna st- we really in the new year we'd like to start announcing some podcasts that are gonna be part of the festival. Mm-hmm. Do you have an idea of how this is gonna play out? This yeah, it's format? gonna be very. It's the same kind of a similar format as like JFL. So there's gonna be multiple shows in in multiple venues and an hour and a half to two hour shows, and you can go see as many as you want. You can get, you'll be able to get uh, individual tickets or or passes for the whole thing and check it out. And there'll be uh, it is the international podcast festival in Montreal. So right on. So there will yes. be local people as well as we'd like to have people from outside coming in and. Uh, some small intimate shows and uh if we can get it down 
Pat we might get have a couple really cool big names coming in. So right on. Yeah, um, so we'll be the headliner, and then who it'll else be is you uh, headlining, and then uh, followed by the Nerdist. So <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah Nerdist yeah. following us sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good fit. That's a good. They're just uh, just below us. <laughs> just in terms just of to announce reach. you, Mark Marin will be here. Just to, oh, just to perfect. announce. Yeah. Oh, nice. And then uh, yeah. okay, and yeah. just clear the fuck out. Yeah, well, we'll yeah. see if we can mend the bridges with Mark Marin. Maybe we'll let him back on. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> mend the bridges. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I just I felt like that's something that you could get away with saying without <laughs> people were like, yeah, that sounds like Mark Marin. You probably had a fight with yeah, those guys. Yeah. No, but that's a great idea. I mean, uh, it's cool. We we podcast and we this is our second year but we don't actually think i don't think we consider ourselves podcasters we just we just do the show and it's fucking fun and we do it and we have awesome people i mean that's that's you know i speak i've spoken to a lot of podcasters um since we kind of came up with this concept and uh typically that's how what people think they're like well we just kind of do this thing it's really yeah. fun and like if something happens and i think that's cool about this community is this new kind of uh it's a new slash old medium right it's it's radio but um this like this community of podcasters coming together i think is gonna be really fun people who do this stuff is just like this is just an exciting thing to get together and so it sounds you know, like a lot of fun there's gonna be these shows but there also is, is gonna be some workshops there'll be some uh, parties and events for people to get to know each other um, there's gonna be uh, an event uh, which is gonna be really cool it's gonna people who aren't gonna who uh, don't have a spot in the actual podcast uh, festival um, can bring their podcasting gear down to this hall and there's going to be an afternoon where people will be doing live podcasting all at the same time and you could just like wander from table to That's table a great idea. and like yeah. speed, chat with people. Speed podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of <laughs> hang out with like different podcasts and like, okay, we're going to roll for 20 minutes. You want to come over here? And so it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be super fun. So yeah. um, I'm Money hoping that like that like feel of of like community will be there. People people who do podcasting, who like podcasting, who are podcasting professionals, podcasting amateurs. Everybody's it's a great idea. Involved, it's a great so. idea. Uh, I look forward to stealing it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I think this is a great idea. I'm so happy and uh, like, uh, yeah, I'm totally behind this. Like, cool. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, super stoked. It's we, gonna be the next big festival, guaranteed. In well, it's such a niche that like. Um, it's like a very specific set of people who are into that kind of stuff and they oftentimes don't like across paths yeah and what's cool is that like the niche has its own niches right so right. there's yeah. like podcasting people like in general have is like a like a subset but then there's like people who listen to this type of podcast who listen to that type of podcast so you might get people who like are really into like only this one anime podcast or like anime podcasts who will only go see one of those shows yeah, but will still be niche. part of the festival yeah. And then there'll be other people who are like, I like seven of these programmed right. events that are going to be at this festival. And they'll show up and buy a That's pass cool. or something. So, I, please give yeah. us a heads up when you're when you're doing your programming. I know I go way back with a guy who was well, the, the first podcaster in Montreal, if not one of the first. Cool, man. <laughs> so, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, I think I think that's probably it for right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I got like all kinds of stuff, but nothing's really like, you know. It's like when someone wants you to tell a joke, you don't remember any jokes. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's just, it's really, yeah, no, it's really just like the, the movie and the, yeah, I'll just come back. The movie and the festival is really what's like the, the main, the main things that are. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate. Yeah, we'll put all the links in the we'll uh, description. Links, yeah. We appreciate uh, you. Uh, like that shit. 
<laughs> like that yes, shit. Yeah, Woodland seriously, Gray. get on like it, it, people. Get on yeah. it. And if I can maybe take a second and Do just it. reiterate a point about if you like what you see on the Woodland Gray page, uh, if like the if those clips seem like it's cool and like you think it's gonna be a really great thing, and you want to share it with your friends, please do so, of course. But if you really want to help me out, if you share it and write something personally, just say, "Hey guys, I just checked this out. This is what this guy's doing. He seems awesome. The movie seems awesome, or some sort of version of that in your own words." Uh, I can guarantee you that that will get me more likes than just sharing it with a share. Um, just a bit of a personal endorsement. Absolutely. It, it like every single time that somebody does that when they share it, I get maybe one like if I'm lucky, but if you put a personal endorsement, I do get at least 5 or 6 likes every time. So All right. Personal right. endorsement helps for well, sure. Well, uh, you're going to definitely get yeah. one from me. Uh, as soon as you run your hands through my hair. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, it starts now. <laughs> I'm going to take a long shower when I get home. Like, I don't know why that felt so dirty. <laughs> it was just my hair. This should be fine. But I'm so, I feel so violated. <laughs> Gone feel in the shower. <laughs> the dirt's not coming but off. But I... <laughs> I've definitely I've got your back, and I think Richard too. And you're welcome to come back to the show. Um, thanks. I'm, I, thanks for reaching out to us, man. And I, I I feel that's a that's really cool, man. That you just sort of said, "Fuck, I don't know these guys, but I want to go and I'm gonna come and talk to them and hang Sweet. out." Sweet, yeah. No, I really <laughs> appreciate fingers. you guys. Getting the <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that was coming. I don't know. Sorry. I not No, it's awesome that you guys have me on. I really appreciate taking the time and schedule me. And yeah, it's super cool. Yeah.